welcome. I'm, I'm glad to see there are so many people here. Uh, welcome to the Design Review Committee meeting for December 6th. As we come to order, we are going to start with a flag salute. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now we can have staff call the roll. Thank you, Chair McDermott. Um, starting uh, with committee uh, uh, member, or sorry, Vice Chair Skorponich, um, who is not here this evening. Uh, moving to committee member Fox. Here. Committee member Imboden. Here. Committee member Farfan. Here. Uh, committee member Gross, who is not here at the moment. And committee member Ledesma. Here. And Chair McDermott. Here. I let the record show there is a quorum. Thank you. Next on the agenda, we have an opportunity for public comment on items that are not on the agenda. So I see a lot of members of the public. I believe they are all here for items that are on the agenda later. Uh, so is there anyone for an item not on the agenda for something that is within our purview? I don't see anyone, so we'll move on to the consent calendar. We have four items on the consent calendar. Uh, they can all be moved at once unless uh, something needs to be pulled for discussion. Chair, I would like to propose that we pull 3.3 for discussion. Okay, 3.3. Thank you. Is there anything else? Or if not, is there a motion to move the balance of the consent calendar? I would be happy to move to approve the consent calendar with the exception of uh, item 3.3. Okay, we have a motion to approve. Is there a second? I'll second. And a second. Okay. When ready, please vote. Okay, that moves the balance of the consent calendar. And we can uh, now hear about 3.3. Do you want to have a staff report? This item 3.3 is a request for new signage for a proposed restaurant at 212 East Chapman Avenue. Chair, I personally don't need a staff report to be read on this. It's just a minor item I'd like to um, clarify and make a condition on. Okay. <laughs> We'll wait for the planner to get in place. Was there anybody else who was interested in, in discussing this item? No, okay. Um, when the first submittal that we received, there was no lighting called out for the lower line of text in this sign. And I wanted, I had asked a question of staff the other day, you know, to clarify, is that the case that only the halo lighting would be on the R and B and the logo? But actually, then we got the hot file um, today that's stating, no, they want it to be lit, tea and fusion restaurant to be lit as well. And I actually am in um, full support of the first submittal. But the second one that just came in today with, with the 
lower line of text also being halo lit, I think is going to be overwrought. And if they want to not halo light and and put lighting on the, the sign, you know, like gooseneck lamps to get the whole sign lit, I think that would be more acceptable to me than having all of these letters actually individually halo lit. And so I didn't know if anybody else wanted to weigh in on that, but yeah, um, if I'm the only one who thinks that, of course. Well, I, I may agree with you, Chair. I um, First, I was aware of the changes when I sat down here this evening. So I would like if we could have staff Pull up the clar phone. clarify what the changes are from what we reviewed to what we're now being asked to approve. Can Chair, you pull up the images for us? Ani Manatsakanyan, our associate planner, will uh, field the questions. Thank you very much for the questions, committee member. On the um, screen right now, I have the updated um, plans that were sent as a hot file memo. As you can see, um, the applicant is proposing halo lit channel letters for all of the um, letters, um, both for the text at the top, um, at the top, as well as the text on the bottom. Um, they are proposing to run the wire along the two by four um, plywood, two by four studs um, of the wall. The applicant is also present today. Should you have any questions regarding the sign illumination and um, uh, how to um, proceed? Thank you. So I would like to um, propose a motion and um, maybe we can see if the applicant would be all right with that as a because um, I would have a condition, if that's, if I may, just to move things along a little. Um, I, I move to approve the signage for DRC 5120-23 based on the findings in the staff report with the conditions listed in the staff report with an additional condition. Wait, I'm sorry. Can, let me interrupt for you just a moment. What, is there... You need a card. Oh, there's oh, oh, yes, there are. There, the applicant is. This is the applicant speaker, I believe. Uh, excuse me. We haven't had. We have not had public comment right. on this. Right. So, is there anyone here for to make a public comment, or do I only have the applicant cards from the signed company uh, on two one two? Yes. These are are you? You're just the applicant, oh, and you don't need to make a comment. Is that correct? That's my understanding. Okay. Thank you. Please. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. <clears throat> you want to ask the question no, after I make the main motion? Okay. Um, so, I'd like to uh, move to approve three point. I'm sorry. DRC five one two zero dash two three the signage for the restaurant at 212 East Chapman Avenue um, based on the findings in the staff report with the conditions listed in the staff report with one additional condition as follows. Um, that the halo uh, illumination be eliminated, eliminated on the lower line of text for the uh, Chapman Avenue facing sign so that the words tea and fusion restaurant do not have um, the halo illumination. Oh, I'll, I'll second. And now that we have a second, I do have a couple questions now that I'm handed the materials. 
It's a question for staff. Do we have conditions? I don't have the staff report with me. Do we have conditions that prohibits any exposed conduits, wiring, that kind of thing? And then do we also have a temperature for the lighting? Um, thank you for the question, committee member Bowden. We do have a condition on the temperature of the lighting, which is at 2,700 Kelvin. Um, as for um, exposed conduits, we do not have that specifically. But that is something we have reviewed during um, the um, plan check process. So, so I would like to add that as a condition to um, make a second condition that there would be no exposed conduit or raceways on the outer surface of the facade. And I will re-up my second on the changes. Okay, so we have a, a motion to approve uh, with conditions for the signage at 212 East Chapman and also a second. Please vote. Okay, that motion passes, the signage is approved. Before we, before we move on to our new items, I just want to um, make a comment to everyone who's planning to speak. Uh, please make sure that you fill out a speaker's card. They're in the back of the room. And just hand them up to the front here so that when it's your turn to speak, we have your name. Okay. The next item uh, on the agenda is... Uh, item 4.1, which is Batavia self-storage at 630 North Batavia Street, design review number 5072-22. And the action is recommendation uh, to the planning commission. And Arlen Beck, uh, associate planner, will give the report. Thank you and, very much. Uh, it, it, forgive me, Chair. Uh, um, this is uh, a good opportunity to introduce you to Mr. Beck, who uh, is a new associate planner with us, he's he's been with us uh, over a month now, and uh, we're uh, we're glad he's joining us. And this is uh, his uh, first DRC presentation. Yes, it's the first time I've, I've seen his name on a staff report. So, please go right ahead, Mr. Beck. All right, thank you, Chair McDermott, and good evening, uh, Design Review Committee. This is uh, Batavia Self Storage, located at 630 North Batavia Street. Um, this project involves the demolition of the two existing vacant light industrial structures and constructing three new self-storage buildings. Uh, these buildings are proposed to operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, there are uh, 44 off-street parking spaces that are required by the Orange Municipal Code. Um, the uh, parking provided is a total of 49 vehicle parking spaces and um, which consist of the nine parking spaces in the front along Batavia Street, uh, 20 parallel parking spaces, six loading spaces, and 14 RV parking spaces. Um, there are a total of 30 light fixtures, and uh, 28 of those uh, light fixtures are pack lights, which will be affixed to the outside of the propo proposed buildings. And then there are two freestanding pole lights um, at the parking area at the southeast corner of the site. Uh, the proposed project's landscaping plan provides a variety of trees, shrubs, and ground cover along the front yard areas and northwest corner of the site. 
Um, based on the city's landscape guidelines, the benchmark calculation for this site would be approximately 170 trees. However, that would overwhelm the site and uh, staff uh, sees that um, the trees provided in the front yard setback are um, what is required by the code. Um, so uh, with that, the uh, city's uh, staff review committee uh, reviewed the project four different times and uh, recommended that the project proceed to the design review committee. And uh, with that, staff recommends that the design review committee recommend approval of the project to the planning commission. Uh, that concludes staff presentation. I'm available for any questions. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, is the applicant making a presentation this evening? The applicant is present. Um, I'm not sure if they have prepared a presentation. Did you, if you have a presentation, you may go ahead. If you don't want to, it's not required. Okay, and, and we may have questions. And, and when we do, you'll have to come up and speak on the microphone. Okay, okay, thank you. Uh, and is there anyone here for public comment on this project? I don't see anyone for public comment. So um, I think that there will be some committee questions uh, and I am looking to the committee for any question, I would, oh, please go ahead, Mr. Farfan. I have some questions regarding the planting. Is that, is that something you'll answer or is there a landscape architect? Uh, the landscape architect is present, uh, if you would like to uh, speak with him. Perfect. Okay. Just uh, state your name and later you can fill out a card. Good evening. My name is David Merchant. I'm the landscape architect for Batavia, and I can answer any questions you might have. Definitely. Thank you. Uh, my first question is um, the CNOTHIS, I've, in my experience, haven't had very good, um, it hasn't survived in this type of soil in Orange County. Um, is that something you're concerned about? Is that something you're able to? Um, you're open to switching? I, I've had a lot of good luck with the Julia Phelps variety. Okay. Maybe I haven't had that exact variety. That, that was one of my questions. Well, it's a, it's a larger shrub variety, and it makes a big uh, display of blue flowers. Okay. Perfect. And then my, my second planting question, the false agave. It feels like some of the planting areas are a little small for that. Is that uh, I'm seeing that gets about 8 to 10 feet. And is that a concern that you have, or can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, the, the height on that is including a, a flower stalk. It's, it's similar to other agaves, and so it'll put out a flower stalk, but the shrub itself will stay below six feet wide. Six feet wide. Okay. Because one of my comments, it just seems like there's too many of them with a proposed tree with mm -hmm. the root ball and the small planting area. So it's just one of my comments, nothing well, to... We can look again at that and make sure that they're not crowded because that's, that's one thing we always try to not overcrowd the planting uh, due to maintenance considerations. So I'll double check that. Perfect. And then my last question, the decorative rock that's pictured on page 
I'm not sure what page it is. But the planting legend notes L1.1. Is there a color? Because maybe my print, it looks all gray. Is What, what color is that rock? It's going to be uh, shades of gray. So oh, you, okay. it, it, we're, we're looking to, um, I don't know if you have the elevation up, but um, it, it's uh, selected in order to match with that uh, front facade. Got it. Okay, I just didn't know if it was a printing error. Um, that answers all my questions. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate Thank you. It. Okay. Uh, I actually have a question for staff about the landscape requirements. We got some last-minute update. Uh, it's a clarification that is not real clear to me. <laughs> uh, if mm -hmm. you could just explain a little bit more what, uh, what you've sent to us. Sure, no problem. Um, so the... Uh, memo that was sent to the design review committee was just explaining that um, the 170 trees that is identified in the staff report as a requirement is more of a benchmark and considered a recommendation uh, and further uh, with industrial sites um, the orange municipal code only requires that the front yard setback be landscaped so uh, we just wanted to um, further uh, inform the design review committee um, as to why staff believed that the 11 trees that are proposed is sufficient. Okay. Uh, another, another question that I have for you is a little bit of information about how the site is going to be used. I noticed that there providing more parking spaces than are required. Is mm -hmm. this, this is self-storage. Do they anticipate that they're going to have a lot of need for parking? Um, I believe that they wanted to show that they are providing more than enough parking. Um, part of that calculation is the RV parking spaces. Um, which can be used by other vehicles when vacant. Um, but uh, I don't believe there's any concern as to not having enough parking. Okay, so they have, have less, than less than recommended landscape, but more than required parking. That's correct. Okay. Any other questions? Yes. I, I, I have to ask for <clears throat> greater clarification on this because this is very, very, the, the memo we have in front of us is very different than anything we've ever been given before. And um, I realize our, our freshman planner may want to reach out to others. What I'm hearing is there's 170 required, but I'm hearing only the front setback is what's required to be landscaped per this section of the code. But the section of the code that's referenced here only says the front setback, only states that the setback has to be landscaped. It doesn't state that only the front setback has to be landscaped. And that's very different from what we've heard in the past. So I'm confused by we have 170 as a benchmark, but we only landscape the front. So, so through the chair, if I, if I may respond, um, it, it's true that the code says uh, that 
the front yard landscape must be landscape for the industrial districts, and that's typical of what we see in new industrial projects. Um, when you go to the landscape uh, section of the industrial standards, it refers you to Chapter 16.50, which is another section, and that section refers you to the uh, city uh, landscape design uh, guidelines. And in that guideline, it has a section that talks about DRB, which is now the DRC right, review. Right. And the intro paragraph to that whole section says, these landscape uh, guidelines are a benchmark for review, uh -huh. the key word being benchmark. And then it says the design review committee or a reviewing body planning commission uh, can um, approve an alternate plan. Um, so it's not that the trees have to be provided. Um, in fact, it's a very large formula that's required of, mm -hmm. of the design standards it's based on the perimeter of the property, right, the perimeter right, of the right. buildings. Uh, so um, in industrial properties, that is um, not something that is typical to fulfill. And so you don't have to apply the exact uh, formula of the guidelines. Could okay. the applicant provide more trees? Sure, anyone can provide more landscaping and trees. Uh -huh. But I guess where I'm confused is the memo we have in front of us tonight says the benchmark standards, which you refer to them as guidelines, they are standards, are unable to be applied to areas outside of the front yard landscape, a uh, front yard, and the reviewing body does not have an obligation to apply them. So are we unable to apply them or we don't have the obligation to apply them? Again, I'm asking this because this is very different than what we've received in the past. You don't have the obligation to apply them, and because the code says that they are um, a benchmark, uh -huh. uh, I would um, pause to uh, wonder if there is a way that we can require it, because when I'm looking through the entire industrial standards section of the code, I'm not seeing anywhere else where it says you have to provide landscaping in any other setback or yard areas. Can I ask a clarifying question on that one? Um, so this calculation, it's the same one that's used on retail projects, office projects, other commercial projects, right? This, this benchmark calculation. Yeah, in the, in the commercial code standard, it's actually, that section is pulled out and put, it's codified in yeah. that case. Yeah. Although, even on a commercial site, um, and, and maybe we, we can uh, analyze that and disclose it when we get to a commercial site, but there is some language up front uh, that is a little uh, awkward. But since we don't have to review the commercial aspect yeah. tonight, right. um, I, I won't go there. Okay. Uh, but when we get to that, I, I promise you I will, I will because we we've, we have struggled with this line item before because the way this magic calculation works, in this case, we have a lot of really long, low buildings. It makes for a lot of perimeter, which which slants the calculation pretty heavily in, you know, need, requiring all those trees. But I also, if, if that standard is applied to a retail facility in the same way it's applied to this, I would look at it as being somewhat of a faulty written standard because, you know. It's inadequate. 
It's, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't actually address the needs on the industrial projects. We've had a few industrial projects lately and it was the same situation, not this extreme, but I think it's because these buildings are so long and thin, it makes for a ton of perimeter that's, that's slanting the calculation. If the same square footage were put in a square, it would be a lot less trees required if you just do the math. It's just, it's just a weird it's an awkward number form. for that to be thrown out. If you, if you grab onto that number, it's just, it's pretty alarming, but um, okay. All right, I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. But the takeaway is that 170 are not required, but possibly more than seven could be recommended because um, there's a lot of distance between 170 and seven. Um, any, any other questions for the applicant or staff? Uh, if, if not, then uh, we'll let, let you take a seat and, and we will uh, discuss and make comments. Well, <clears throat> I think it might be important to get clarification since they are overparked, if there's a reason for that. Is there a need for that? Can the applicant ad address that? Good evening. Good evening. My name is Marcelo Quiroga. I'm part of the design team of the project. And uh, we provide exactly the amount of parking that is required for the use of this office storage. We don't want to either overpark or get lower than that. I think we are enough. We already, I think we present to the committee a, a traffic generation to how a typical self-storage work that uh, a customer doesn't park for more about 30 minutes every time that goes and load and unload their goods. So it's not a constant uh, traffic generation there, and we provide enough parking for all the customers to be have enough room in order to 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 accommodate all their goods in a in a common way, a good way. You know, doesn't uh, intervene with all the other maneuvers on the big big trucks going in for moving trucks, right? So I think we are correct with the amount of parking that we are providing. I don't know if you have any any other concern about that to be. So we don't consider it's over park. We consider that it's enough, re exactly the, the amount of parking required for this kind of self-storage. So you're this, saying that, that your, your program requires more than what the city requires? We, yes, so we are concerned about that, yes. That is, is, is exactly what need, need to be provided by the functionality of the self-storage in general. Um, and you mentioned that you anticipate uh, tractor-trailer trucks having to no make... Big, no big trucks, you know, typical moving moving trucks, typical U-Haul trucks for oh, storage. Okay. And so you have two loading zones. There are loading zones, that yes. Are con that comprise three parking stalls. Do you see those being just a... a typical U-Haul type of thing? That's the, exactly. The typical U-Haul that is no more than 20, 25 feet long that, that has, you know, the capacity for the type of the bigger storage units that we are working in. This is 10 by 30 feet. Uh, and then they go to smaller different sizes, 10 by 10, 5 by 10, 5 by 5. And uh, again, the time of parking of these spaces for loading and unloading 
is top 30 minutes, 40 minutes tops. So the customer goes, load or unload, and then leave. So it's not like people are going to be parking there for several hours. Right. That's what I. That's what I thought. Um, and the, the those trucks that you mentioned um, would fit in a standard. Correct. Oh, yes. Parking space. So it's possible, and everybody's going to want to park next to the elevator, which is if where... It's, if, if, yeah, there, are, there are different, if you see on the floor plan, there are buildings that are just one story, has drive-up units, it doesn't have an elevator, and whatever, and they'll have those parallel parking for those uh, customers that goes to those uh, one first level storage units. And uh, customers that goes to the second or third level, yes, those park there. And that, that's why we want to have uh, the, the correct number of parking so people doesn't cover space for another one, right? Mm -hmm. and, you're, and you are anticipating 24-7 operation, 24 hours a day. It's something that, that the clients want to, to proceed with that. But sometimes, you know, the office... Uh, basically, it's open under business hours, typically from so 7 to 7 or something like that. Sundays is closed. But people, once they are renting their place, they have the possibility to get access to their own unit with codes and security monitors uh, in order to load and unload their goods. Okay. Um, please follow. Yeah, I, I have a question. Maybe I misunderstood you. I thought that you had mentioned, you know, a typical large moving truck of 20 feet. Is that what you said? The, the mid-size U-Haul yeah. uh, okay. truck, typical U-Haul so, truck. So where, where would that vehicle park inside? I'm sorry? Where would understand. that vehicle park inside? The, the compartment inside? I don't understand. The, the, for the size of those, a oh, standard parking space is fit perfectly for those kind of U-Hauls. It not doesn't require, a, you know. Are, are the parking spaces 20, 20 feet long? I'm sorry? Do we have dimension? Space, okay. Okay. That, that answers the question. Okay. okay. The, the, they're using standard it's parking not, spaces. Yes. Okay. 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 That, that was the question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there anything further? No. Okay. Thank you very, Thank you much, very much for the information. And uh, if the committee wants to make comments, uh, we can have an exchange of ideas. My only comment, um, there seems to be a lot of Cianothas, and my concern with the type of soils that I experienced in Orange County just doesn't support that plant material. If we were to prove that plant material and it dies, will it be replaced? Uh, a lot of times it isn't, and, and when I use those plants, I use them very sparingly and minimize the use of those, because if they do die, you kind of don't notice it as much, and other plants take over. And I think the agave, I think uh, he agreed to reduce those. I think they're just too big with the size of the tree and the um, and this planting space that we have. It's just too big for that area. I, I like I like this Nacio and, and the agave. I just think that agave is too big. It's my opinion. Agave. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I have to also comment about the Ceanothus. I have in... And I know there are many different varieties of ceanothus, but I have seen public gardens have dead ceanothus, even planting them on a mound and restricting the water. They're extremely sensitive. Um, so I, I, I have to, even though it's a beautiful native plant, 
mm -hmm. um, which would give wonderful color. I'm a little nervous about it being in an in an area that might not get really absolutely correct uh, maintenance. Me too. So um, perhaps we can we can get a, a substitution for the Cianothus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, can I just go down to the other committee members, um, Mr. Ledesma? Sure, yeah. My only comment would be just uh, regarding the tree count. I would like to see more of a balance and an increase in the number of trees. Um, obviously, if, if it looks like the uh, uh, in regards to the parking areas, because we do have an excess amount of parking, um, some additional trees could be used over by the RV parking. I mean, it's going to be a sea of, of hard surface, so why not add some additional trees within the uh, within the parking area, but I think there's some additional opportunities there for, for some trees to soften up the, the landscape. Okay. I'm actually um, sensitive to you uh, experts, your expert opinions on, on what plant materials will grow in Orange County, and I appreciate your input on that, and I, I would agree with, with what you have commented on. Um, and, and I also, I, I would actually support the project. I think it's a nice structure. I think it'll really improve the site and the neighborhood. And, um, but I also do feel that the heat island effect in that back area could, could stand another tree or two. Um, so I would be in support of that too, if that were a condition and if that worked out. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And, and I'm going to say the same. I don't have comments on the architecture, the materials. I'm fine with, with all of that. I think it's a very nice project in regards to that. Um, I know someone spent some time working on that, so I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, I, too, am struggling um, with the landscape that we have a project that's over-parked yet under-landscaped. Um, so I would be more in, supportive, uh, in support of removing the additional parking and providing landscape. It still is far, far below this benchmark. Um, but I think that balances out and helps to reduce this heat island effect that's been mentioned. Okay, thank you. I would agree with, with everyone. Um, the, the architecture is, is definitely an improvement for that area, uh, it has a nice street frontage on Batavia. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't support having all the parking without um, finding some room for some additional trees. We really need, need trees. Uh, we're not even going to get close to over 100 trees or anything like that. But to have more than seven, I think. It, I think there's 11. Okay, 11. Seven big ones, I think, is what we have. Um, and a, a total of 11. If, if we could hear from the applicant and the, um, and the landscape architect, if there is a way that, that we can approve this with some additional trees, And maybe we would want their input on an alternate to the Cianothus. Yes, and, and your, your opinions. I know that, that you've had good success with the Cianothus plant, but if we could have an alternate, I think we're a little nervous about, about that. We can perfectly found on the site places that we can add extra trees. For example, on the parking on the back of the building, that there are already some landscape areas you can see on the screen. There are places that we can add if it's required 
more landscape and, and trees also, okay? To give shade even for the, for the, even for the tracks. Or for yes, the do you, please go ahead. Just tell us your name. How are you, committee members? My name is Brandon Wolf with EPD Solutions, also with the design team for Staley. Um, just for clarification purposes on the parking counts in the landscape. So we originally had a few more stalls for some history um, with the prior planner before Arlen took over the project. There were a couple rounds of the SRC review cycle that we went through where we worked with planning department and staff to introduce more planting. Uh, so if you look at the northeast, the, the most northerly driveway approach, that expansion right there with the planter used to have two additional parking stalls. Mm -hmm. So we reduced those and expanded the planter at planning department's request to encompass more frontage trees and frontage landscaping in general. Um, the one thing I would like to just discuss with you guys further is location of trees for a self-storage facility, similar to like public storage or U-Haul, if you will. The areas in the back are clear for fire access due to the dry aisle widths. So one thing that we just wanna get a little more clarity for is just locations on what the committee members are intending to be placed back there. Um, if you zoom in a little bit, the dimensions show, I believe 26 foot dry aisle throughout the property. And so we do have two standalone planters over by the RV stalls. However, with the functionality of RV parking for self-storage and the monthly rentals, we didn't want to risk vehicles breaking the trees, backing up into them, possibly damaging any irrigation that's there. Um, so we tried to meet the standards of city by introducing as much frontage screening that we can to the building, in addition to encompassing those two within the back area where the RV stalls are, while still keeping um, circulation and functionality for the site at its most preferred. So that's just a little more history there as far as the landscape component and working with uh, staff during the SRC reviews to work through some of the landscape additions that we did. So those trees that are in the RV section, those are Brisbane box, is that correct? I believe so, let me take a look here. Apologies, I'm not a landscape architect, okay. so. Okay, the landscape architect is nodding. Okay. He's, he's nodding, yes, they are. Appreciate so th that is, is, would we consider that a, a tall stature tree, a larger stature tree? Because we would be, if, if there's not enough, enough quantity, we'll be looking for quality. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That tree gets pretty tall and it's pretty narrow, so it, it'd be a good spot for it. An appropriate mm -hmm. um, tree for Ch there. Chair, if I could just throw something out there. I, I certainly agree and uh, understand and agree why having trees mingled in with the RV parking um, are not the best mix. Um, but there are plenty of perimeter parking spaces around the building that if every third or fourth one turned into a planter bed, you still have your required drive aisles. We have trees distributed throughout the site, which is what our standards ask for. Um, so that, that, and they seem large enough to support larger stature trees too, right? They're nine feet wide, are they, the parking stalls? Should be enough room for that. So I would just throw that, I don't know if the other committee members agree with that, but um, rather than clustering a group of trees here and a group of trees here, why not just mm -hmm. space them throughout? Um, that would be my 
That would be a project that I could be supportive of. I don't know how the other committee members feel. Mm -hmm. Can I ask uh, staff, um, Mr. Beck, could you pull up sheet A1.2? Because it shows the hatched area for the fire truck access on the plan. And then, thank you, that's the one. Um, I was looking at the corners of the building. I think there's even areas right at the corners. Um, the acute angle corner of the structure, for instance, has parking, parallel parking on the north side and on the west side. But in that corner, you know, you could pop that out and create a planter in there and have a tree that could help shade parts of that um, lot. And you can do the same on the opposite corner to the south. Um, and that wouldn't even lose any parking, but um, I mean, I, I, I do respect the, the idea that the use, the use sometimes dictates parking different than what our parking standards do. Mm -hmm. And that, and that um, applicants often know their market and they know how much parking they need to make their projects work. Um, but I do feel as though there's still space in those areas at the corners of the building that we might be able to get a, a tree on each corner. And I don't know if that would be a condition we could make and, you know, be satisfactory so we could move the project forward. I don't know. Does anybody think? So going around the corner between the designated parking areas, there's basically blank pavement, right? It, is that a possible location for some landscape? Specifically the northwest and southwest corners? As just mentioned, yes. Yeah, that is something we can definitely verify and look into with the irrigation and planting plan just to make sure that there's no constraints to add trees there. Because um, it does look like there is also some planting along the top left corner as well, the northwest area. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, that is something we can definitely look into. Okay, so if, if we were to make that a condition of approval, would you be able to... For the condition language, what would we be proposing in terms of quantity, type of tree, size of planter box? What's, what is feasible in, in that amount of space? Well, we think we can find room for another few trees, maybe a half a dozen at the most if we double up some. And uh, we can definitely change the plants uh, as you requested. So I think this is, if this is doable. Got chances for maybe one here mm -hmm. and one there, and then another one there. Maybe one of these spots, like they talked. I would about. be comfortable if we could ask for four more trees. Personally, um, I would. I would agree with that. Okay. Um, if you can, if you can manage four trees large, large, that large trees. of of larger stature, because what you have uh, the um, marina, um, the arbutus is your other tree. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, that. That tree is not going to get big, and it's not going to grow for a long time. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful tree, That's, and I, but it, I, but I try, I try to have yeah. different heights so that we don't yeah. have all the same. Which is wonderful. It's a it, you're doing a, a beautiful I I agree design. Exactly. I will. I always want to plant more trees, but uh, sometimes that's a balance we're trying to yeah. fight with. The, we we want to see balance too. I, I totally understand. But if you if if you can. Um, Fit, do you think you can do four of the Brisbane box? I think so. 
So if we made that a condition and we could leave it up to staff to confirm that the locations are, you know, reasonable, that you wouldn't have to come back before us okay. with those tree locations. You could work it out with your planner. And, um, but we should, are those 36 inch boxes? Is that what you've got there, in there? Yeah, there were some of each. I, I have a 24 inch box, uh, uh, Brisbane box, and then the 36 inch boxes are, are Butis, but I can okay. add some more 36 inch box, uh, Brisbane box. Yeah, actually that's a, that's a thing we often do is if you can put in a larger box size that can mitigate the number of trees because you're already getting a pretty a bigger tree to start with. So, okay, yeah, so so I see you have seven 24-inch box um, Brisbane box trees. If we say that um, on site we would like to see um, four 36-inch boxes and seven 24-inch box Brisbane, Brisbane box, box trees. Sorry. Right, so we're in, increasing the, both the number and the size. And then you can determine where those size increases go, yes. you know, throughout the site that works appropriate for the planner area. Thanks. And then, um, you know, I'm willing to make a condition on that, but we would also need to have a, another condition about a replacement for the Cianothis. Right. Can, can, yes, for I'm sure. sorry about the Cianothis. No, Is that a suggestion? Right. It's quite all right, I, you know. Everybody's had has different opinions, and uh, I, I've grown it in Orange County in different locations. But absolutely, we'll change it if that's. Uh, if that's you, would you like to propose a, an alternate so that we can just write it right into the condition, or is that going to require some thought? Is, is that too well, restrictive? Uh, they they have a coffee berry. It's another native plant. It doesn't have the uh, the sherry flowers but it uh, definitely excuse me it, it I, I'm, I'm fine with coffee berry do you like I, I think that's a that's a good suggestion uh, it's a good native plant and it's it's pretty sturdy compared to the ceanothus I think okay. it doesn't have to be showy it's it's about beautiful green it, yes so I, yes I, I think it's a nice landscape addition so we'll substitute okay. the coffee berry for um, the ceanothus that sounds great. Okay, so I would like to make a uh, uh, ooh, motion, if that's all right. Unless if, there's any more discussion. If I could interrupt for, oh, yes. for just one, a one moment. Oh, yes, one comment from staff. Uh, just to note, this is a recommendation, recommendation. to the Planning Commission. Exactly. Oh, thank you for that. We're yes. recommending, we're recommending uh, this to the Planning exactly. Commission with recommended conditions. conditions. Yes, yes, thank you. So, uh, Chair, I would move to approve Design review number 5072-22, the Batavia self-storage. Um, recommend approval to the Planning Commission, pardon me, um, based on the findings that are in the staff report with the conditions listed in the staff report with two additional conditions recommended as follows. That the, um, the Cianothis called out on the landscape plan be substituted uh, with the coffee berry shrub and that the, um, the tree count of the Brisbane box be increased through either, um, yeah, per the landscape architect's recommendations um, so that we would result in having seven 24-inch box and four 36-inch box for the 
Brisbane bucks, um, tree species, and that the um, applicant would work that those out with staff prior to submittal for plan, uh, building plan check. Yes, and I'll just clarify that's an additional four trees. Thank you, yes. Okay. Additional four trees. Okay, so we have a, uh, a, a motion to uh, recommend approval by committee member Fox. Is there a second? I'll second. And a second from committee member Ledesma. When ready, please vote. All right, you are uh, approved to move on to Planning Commission with uh, some minor landscape improvements. Thank you very much, and good luck with the project. Thank you, committee members. Thank you. Does anybody need a break? Are we okay? No, Okay. Okay. Uh, we can now move on to the next agenda item 4.2, which is a proposal to construct 49 small lot homes located at 901 East Catella Avenue. It's design review number 5092-22. And before we proceed, I just want to make a couple of, of comments. We're going to have, because we have a lot of people here, and thank you all for coming. We hardly ever get people coming, and we love to see you. Uh, first, we are going to have the staff report. And after the staff report, we are going to let the applicant make any presentation that uh, the applicant may have to provide. After that, we are going to have the public comment session. We're not going to take questions from the committee until everyone has, has spoken. I, right now, I have 18 uh, public comment cards. If there's anyone who wants to speak, please fill out a card and, and hand it in. And, um, and before you speak, I will, will, will talk about public comment. So when, when staff is ready, Ms. Schwartz, please go ahead with the staff report. Through, through the chair, if I... Oh, if I'm I, sorry. Ms. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to, to note that uh, there are a lot of, of people uh, here that may be concerned about things such as parking and yes. traffic. Yes. Um, I, and I was I was going to mention that later, but we'll, I, I, and you can you can give further explanation about that. So, I we and I also want to let all the members of the public know we have received over thirty letters um, via email, uh, electronically, uh, and been, we have read them. We have seen them all. We know that there are a lot of concerns that are not within the DRC purview. I just want you all to know that it, we all will listen to you. The applicant is here. He will listen to you too. But things that are not within our, we will not be able to comment on but because they're not in our purview include traffic, neighborhood congestion, neighborhood parking, 
Parking that's on the site is within our purview, but parking throughout the neighborhood is not in our purview. Your property values, land use, zoning, and the general plan amendment is not anything that we can we can comment on. The things that we do have purview over are the design of the site plan, the architecture, community aesthetics, landscape, design integrity, privacy, and compatibility with the neighborhood. You may say whatever you like, but just so you know, those are the things that some of these will have to be taken up with planning commission, uh, just so that you can prepare yourselves for that. So, can I add also density? Yes. Density is not within our purview. Density. That's a planning commission issue. Yes, um, but size and bulk and mass is within our purview, but not the number of units. Correct. It, it, anything that you'd like to add further? Thank you. No, and I think you, you said it well. Um, your particip participation or the public's participation is very welcome, and there will be opportunities to discuss all the things outside of the Design Review Committee purview before the Planning Commission, which will be uh, the next, and then the City Council that occurs after that. So, um, again, it's design review tonight, the purpose of the meeting. Right. So there's a whole process. This is just just early on in the process. So, Ms. Schwartz, please go ahead with the staff report. Thank you. Um, Chad, would you mind sharing? Thank you. Okay, perfect. Good evening, Chair McDermott and members of the Design Review Committee. The item before you this evening is a proposal to redevelop an existing 2.7-acre commercial site with 49 two- and three-story small lot homes. The applicant is Intercorp Homes. The site is located at the northeast corner of Catella Avenue and Cambridge Street. To the north are one-story single-family residences located along Carlton Avenue. To the south is Catella Avenue and one- and two-story commercial buildings. To the east is a two-story retail office building, and to the west is Cambridge Street, a gas station, and two-story apartments. To accommodate this project, the applicant proposes a general plan amendment from general commercial to medium density residential, a zone change from commercial professional to residential multiple family, and applications of small lot subdivision development standards. The proposal also includes a tentative track map for small lot subdivision and to establish private and common use areas. The development will have a density of 18 dwelling units per acre, but that's about midpoint uh, for the allowable range of 15 to 24 dwelling units per acre for the medium density residential designation. The zoning code was recently amended to include development standards for small lot subdivisions. These standards allow for smaller single family residential lots in certain multifamily zones. The lots are less than the minimum area of a standard single-family lot, which allows for flexibility in lot configuration and reduces the amount of land required for new single-family residences. The development standards include regulations for lot frontage, setbacks, stories, height, private open space, and parking. The project includes small lots ranging from 1,467 to 2,476 square feet. Residential units are configured around a looped private interior roadway. 15 residents have primary entryway, entryways that are accessed from Cambridge Street and Cantella Avenue frontages, providing a pedestrian-oriented sidewalk interface along both streets. 22 units located at the center of the site have primary entries off of the interior landscape paseo. 
and 12 units along the northern boundary have primary entries off of the interior roadway. The project provides three different floor plans with units ranging from 1,701 to 2,004 square feet. Each unit includes three and four bedrooms and an attached two-car garage. Each enclosed garage will be provided with additional garage space dedicated for the storage of three trash carts. Vehicle access to the site is via entry driveways off of Cambridge Street and Catella Avenue. These entry drives connect to the looped interior roadway. The interior roadway includes curb, gutter, and landscape planters. No unit driveways or sidewalks are provided along the interior roadway. A total of 98 garage spaces and 30 open resident and guest parking spaces are provided for a total of 128 parking spaces, which calculates to approximately 2.6 spaces per unit. Architecturally, the project provides a contemporary residential design that is intended to respond to the eclectic vis visual character of the area and the proximity to the Fair Meadow Eichler Tract Historic District, the Taft Library, and Irving House residential development inspired by Irving Gill architecture. Catella Avenue is in transition with the new three-story Catella Terrace Senior Apartments under construction to the east, Kitty Academy Daycare Facility, Rapids Ex Express Car Wash, and recently developed Garrison five-story apartments to the west. The majority of the proposed units are three stories with roof decks, while the units along the northern boundary are two stories and set back 10 feet from the north property line, taking into consideration the one-story residences to the north. Building and orientations along Cambridge Street and Catella Avenue consider the site's characteristics and the city's small lot subdivision guidelines in that the main entrances are oriented towards the streets and sidewalks to create a relationship between the buildings and the pedestrian. Architectural elements include hip, shed, and flat roof forms, parapets, arched entries, recessed simple door and window detailing, and alternating plane changes to add visual interest. Proposed building materials include composite roof shingles, painted stucco finish, metal canopies, vinyl windows, engineered wood siding, and wood faux balcony railing. The exterior color scheme consists of subtle natural tones with contrasting colors used for accents and details. Although the project is not required to provide common open space, the applicant has provided a pocket park with shaded picnic tables, barbecue, and lawn area along the northern boundary, a pocket park with bench seating, entry portals, signage wall, and lawn area at the southwest corner, and a landscape paseo within the interior residential island. Private open space for each residential unit is provided in the form of roof decks for all three-story units and 10-foot rear yards for the units along the northern boundary. The project incorporates a variety of water-efficient plant material along the street frontages, the project interior, and the perimeter boundaries, including a total of 64 new trees. 18 existing mature trees will be removed. Streetscape treatment includes retention of nine existing street trees, and although not included on the plans, the incorporation of three new street trees along Catella Avenue. Foundation planting and landscape planters will contain hybrid olive, pink trumpet, and forest pansy redbud trees, and groupings of shrubs and ground cover as indicated on the conceptual planting plan. 
The project interior will include a mix of trees, shrubs, and ground cover, including artificial turf in the, in the pocket parks. Enhanced paving is proposed for pedestrian walkways within the pocket parks and within the fenced unit courtyards along the street frontages. Proposed fencing and walls for the project include low stucco walls with wooden gates for the unit courtyards along both street frontages. The southwest corner of the site is accentuated with an eight-foot pedestrian with eight-foot pedestrian portals and low stucco walls that will contain project signage. The majority of the existing seven-foot wall along the north property line will remain in place, except for the northeast corner that will be modified due to a retaining condition. A three-foot, six to eight-foot tall precision block wall is proposed along the east property line between the project and the adjacent commercial site. And side yard stucco walls and gates are proposed between the units, and low tubular steel fencing and gates will enclose the landscape area at the northeast corner and the pocket park along the north property line. Project lighting includes 16 feet tall LED pole streetlights and landscape planters at the entry drives adjacent to guest parking and in the pocket park along the northern boundary. LED bollard lighting is proposed in the pocket park at the southwest corner of the site. And decorative LED wall light fixtures are proposed at the front, rear, and garage door entries of each unit. Conceptual signage is included for illustrative purposes, but is not part of this proposal. Monument signage is proposed on a low wall at the southwest corner pocket park for visibility at both street intersections. Overall, the project is compliant with the city's small lot development standards. Because two-story units will be located along the north property line directly adjacent to existing single-story residences and some with swimming pools, staff is concerned that privacy may be compromised. Plans 3A and 3B are proposed for the northern units shown on sheets A4.3-A and 4.6, A4.6, which include one larger bedroom window and one smaller clear story bathroom window, both with unobscured glass on the second story rear elevations of each unit. Staff is primarily concerned with the screening of the larger bedroom windows. Sheet L-25 shows 24-inch box Natchez crepe, myrtle, and Italian cypress trees on the rear corners of each lot. However, the number of trees proposed may not adequately screen the larger rear-facing bedroom windows. Staff believes that window size, glazing, and placement refinement is required to avoid privacy infringement given the limited rear yard, spa rear yard space available for additional landscape screening. An environmental document has been prepared for the project and is included as attachments four and five. The MND concludes that the project will have less than significant impacts to the environment with the implementation of project design features relating to air quality and noise, mitigation measures related to biological resources, geology and soils, hazards and hazardous materials, transportation and traffic, and tribal cultural resources. There were no impacts identified related to aesthetics or cultural resources. The public review period began on November 9th, 2023 and will end on December 11th, 2023. 
On November 22nd, 2023, the city sent DRC public meeting notices to property owners and tenants within a 400 foot radius of the project site, potentially affected cities, public agencies, utility service providers, and people specifically requesting the notice. The project site was also posted in two locations. 31 public comments were received by staff and provided to the DRC in advance of this meeting. Nine additional public comments were posted on the city's website. There may even be more. That was the last toll I took. And that concludes my presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we can now, if the applicant wants to make any presentation, uh, we can hear from the applicant. Do they have anything prepared? Good evening, Chair McDermott, committee members, staff, uh, many familiar faces from the community. Thank you for having us this evening. Uh, my name is Emily Samard, and I'm pleased to present this project on behalf of Intercorpums. I first want to acknowledge the work that staff has done to get us to this point of the process. Uh, we've been working on this with, in between all the departments of the city for just over 20 months now. Um, so we're very excited to be in front of you and get to this point of the process, work with the community, and uh, show you this project tonight. I also want to mention after the presentation is completed, um, our consultant team is here this evening to answer any questions that might arise. So we have Bassini and Lagoni Architects, Land Concern, Landscape Architect, and CNB Consulting, our civil engineer. We can um, transition to the next slide. I'll start by just giving a brief overview of Intercorp, um, who we are as the applicant. So we're a residential infill developer. Projects like this is uh, you know, what we focus on in a developed uh, area of a community. We serve four core markets. We're headquartered in Vancouver, British Columbia. We have uh, US offices in Seattle, Washington, Austin, Texas in our office here in Southern California. This slide also highlights recent and ongoing projects in SoCal. From the top left, we have a project Lux, which is a luxury townhome community in Irvine. The top right is Mirin, which is a charming single family community that recently sold out uh, in Arcadia. It's still under construction. The bottom left is Decente, which is a 95 unit townhome community in Claremont and that's currently under uh, construction as well in selling. The bottom right is highlighting a community called The Place, which is a detached townhome community in Costa Mesa. So just to give a brief overview of uh, some quality projects we have within driving distance. Project specifics were well covered by Monique, and if you read through the, the staff report, I think she did a great job. So just to um, go through some of the highlights before we go to public comment, um, I'll, go, I'll go through some things to reorient everybody. We can go to the next slide. So this show, slide shows the proposed project area as it is existing. 
You can see that the site is located in a transitional area of the city at the northeast corner of Cambridge and Cantala Avenue. To the north of the site are nine detached homes, a single story built in the 1960s, and that's on East Carlton Avenue. To the east is a two-story commercial building with retail professional office space. To the south, on the south side of, of East Catella there, um, are multi-tenant commercial buildings. And then to the west, um, on the other side of Cambridge Street, is a gas station and convenience store, as well as the Cambridge Court Apartments, uh, just north of that gas station there. So as you can see, we're in close proximity to many retail and mixed-use centers and are less than two miles from Old Town Orange. We can go to the next slide, thank you. So the current, the current site is uh, probably something you're used to driving by. It's been abandoned for quite some time. Um, it's currently housing the abandoned AT&T call center as well as a 53-foot cell tower. The site has been frequented by police, fire department, service calls um, due to transient and criminal activity on the site. So just wanted to highlight that, um, just the blight of the property and what we're trying to transform for the community here. Um, these are pictures taken inside and outside of the, um, the property recently. Thank you. Just to give a little context, um, I know I had mentioned that we initially sat down with staff um, beginning of 2022. So just to give some context of the evolution of the project and how it came to be what you're seeing in front of you, I thought I could just go through some dates, where we started, and then uh, how we got to where we are today. So our team first met with City of Orange in February of 2022 to go through some site planning ideas and discuss past applications, kind of get a flavor of what worked, what didn't work, what the city was looking for for this corner of Catella and Cambridge. It was a general consensus that this would be viewed as the highest and best site. Um, what we originally proposed, I kind of highlighted things in a timeline so it's easy to a 58-unit plan was solely comprised of the three-story product that you see. Um, after reviewing it further with the um, this was in May of 2022. After further assessing the site and garnering further feedback, uh, the site was further scaled to 52 units, and the 52-unit plan is what ended up progressing to have three SRC review meetings. Uh, the time the project that we were over six months working really hard with staff uh, and our consultant team to create the plan that you see in front of you today. We changed the product to the city's small law ordinance and transformed the product type along the north boundary of 12 two-story detached homes to further accommodate the adjacency of the existing residential homes. Public noticing and hearings. Thank you. So on this screen here is um, a copy of our landscape site plan um, from the packet that you received to review. 
As previously described by Monique, this plan is comprised of 17 paired homes and 15 detached single family homes, giving us a total of 49 homes. This community is offering attached two car garages and surface guest parking. Total, total parking uh, would be 128 spaces. The site will showcase a centrally located park with seating, barbecue area, dining tables. Enhanced landscaping is going to be along the street scene, uh, along with the central paseo that's landscaped in entry, um, or I'm sorry, in the central of the project, um, which will just further aid to visual interest of the community. Each home will possess either an enclosed patio at the entry, a spacious rooftop deck, or a private backyard to enjoy exclusive um, outdoor space. The entries, you notice we have two access points for ingress and egress on Cambridge and Catella. This is another item that we worked through with staff. Initially, we had just the um, entry off Cambridge as our access point, and we had the Catella um, option for emergency vehicle use only. So this is another um, evolution as working through the site plan with Doug Keys and traffic and our traffic engineer as well to open up ingress, egress, egress points of the site. We'll be installing a new we'll be utilizing existing seven foot wall in the north boundary so that we're not unnecessarily disturbing neighbors' yards. and just over feet um, along the north boundary and it's in good good shape but the integrity of the wall is sound um, so we're able to utilize um, that wall and not have to knock it down and go in people's backyards to rebuild that um, which we thought was a, a good find when we were looking at this um, the north and the east boundaries will be landscaped with shrubs and trees providing both aesthetic and screening treatments to the walls you can see on the east boundary we have that four foot landscape buffer, um, and then the private yard slinking the north boundary will have um, trees in each backyard. point there, but we have the 98 covered garage spaces and then 30 guests. When I took over the community to bring to the city, if you recall the vicinity overview, this walking distance to a multitude of local shops and restaurants. So it's no surprise that this site has it very walkable, meaning it can facilitate in potential homeowners uh, doing many errands by foot, which further reduces traffic. So definitely look for areas with high walk scores to path of travel. Um, changing the land use to residential also increases daily vehicle trips when compared to the existing commercial use. Land to residential decrease the, the, the trips, um, as you can see in the, um, in the analysis. Not only will changing this land use to residential aid in overall community safety, but by integrating this site with surrounding community, it will revitalize the entire neighborhood, 
With more eyes on the street, these residences will promote safe pedestrian travel and will alleviate law enforcement from having to consistently patrol the area. This project is consistent with the city's goals in that we're bringing much needed housing to the city of Orange and increasing compatibility with existing residential adjacencies. This, com this community will bring needed diversification of product type to the area, which aids in building a stronger urban fabric and character of a community. To leave you with a project visual, um, just run through some renderings of the, of the project. These are included in the staff report and uh, in the entitlement package that you have. So here you can see the street scene um, at the intersection of Cambridge and, and Catella intersection. Uh, the architectural style is considered California contemporary color scheme. As you can see, the vertical and horizontal architecture features of the buildings, providing great visual interest along the street scene. As Monique mentioned in her staff report, this architectural style is as a meaningful gateway leading to the housing district. This rendering is a perspective um, showing down Catella Avenue. So these are the 11 homes that would be fronting Catella. And then and then you can see the two-story detached home there in the background. This is highlighting um, relief neighbors operations with staff moving forward. This is just a perspective of the entry. These images are showing the north entry. So that privacy as we can to the neighbors. The smaller window that you see on the left side of the home, on the back of the house, that's the master bathroom window. It's not technically a transom, but it is pushed up above the line of sight so that you still can get natural light into your bathroom, but there's no line of sight in or out. Um, it's up toward the, the top of the ceiling. The larger window that you see on the right-hand side is the master bedroom and uh, will be, I mean, if it were my master bedroom, I would have uh, curtains and, and screen it. So um, I think that would be the, the main thing that was brought up by Monique in the staff report and staff recommendation for, for um, looking at privacy. Um, that window is, is the one that we're looking at and it is in the master bedroom. It's not in a main living space, so it will be screened by the homeowner. This is the central open space area toward the center north of the project. Um, it has passive seating, a covered barbecue area, and, um, and landscaping.
I'll open it up for questions, but I wanted to the design review committee and the community for being here and for staff putting together the presentation and getting us to this point. Thank you very much for that Thank you. presentation. We appreciate that. So through the chair, uh, there is a video um, issue on the live feed that has been Oh, I see. Okay. We're, all right. So, uh, minutes or? The video home, viewing at home, is that correct? Correct. Not the recording. And the recording as well. And the recording. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> Okay, so um, we'll have we because the recording. And all of all of this on minutes and. Or go ahead. So thank you. I wanted to make a comment. I think some of you. Designed to be uh, acoustically very sensitive. Speak out front. We all hear it. So, if you step outside and you want to talk with others, get far away from the entryway because conduct business and the audience can't hear us. So, I just want to. Okay. Okay. So we'll take a ten minute. We're ready to get started. I think. I'm the only one that needs to sit down. <laughs> and we can, we can resume with the, with the public comment section. So we have, as I mentioned before, oh, I have 20 uh, speakers. Now, we're going to allow three minutes for each.
many of you are used to, have you gotten used to Cambridge Raceway? <laughs> have we gotten used to it? Yeah. No one used to it. Thank you. Cambridge has turned into an overflow for Glassell and Tustin in the morning and the evening. I know they've done parking, uh, street counting cars and all that. I've seen the little strips out there. I saw one of the neighbors that lives over on the senior center. She was backing, going back and forth on that thing with her little car, trying to make the count go higher, okay? <laughs> because it's very serious for the people that live on the end of Trenton. They're all seniors. Yes, they cut the street off to, to allow the Toyota place more, more car selling for them, so they're forced to come out on Cambridge. There's been a lot of car wrecks on Cambridge. People have plowed right through the walls of those people that live on the corner multiple times. People have gotten hurt. People have died. Now you're going to introduce a new complex to the area. You're going to have more people racing. And the way it was proposed, I see that they're going to have to peel rubber to get out of their complex on Cambridge. And God forbid they decide to make a left turn because they're in a hurry. You're going to have somebody getting T-boned. It's going to be serious. Yes, I would like to see. I know we've asked for signal lighting. I know this is not the place. I'm going to ask the next place also. We can't. They're not going to put a signal light there. But how about a stop sign? Let's slow the traffic down a little bit so that my Carlton neighbors can get out safely. They only have one way in and one, a, one way out. The Van Owen neighbors, they shoot out. The Trenton neighbors, they shoot out. I mean, it's like you sit there and you go, cars to the left, cars to the right, your foot gets reading on the accelerator, come on, come on, come on, and then it's punch it just to get out so you don't get hit. Exactly. Thank you. Okay, one person is speaking at a time, thank you. Go ahead. It is dangerous, and you're gonna have more people get hit. I'm sorry. We go out on, on Glassell from, from, from Cleveland. But my son-in-law decided to come in from northbound Cambridge into westbound Trenton. He got hit. The car that hit him was way over on Taft when he saw him. They think he was doing excess of 60 miles an hour when he got hit. No brakes. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Uh Alfred Tucker is next, and after Alfred Tucker is Lily Tucker. Um, thank you for hearing us tonight. Um, basically, I want to address the kind of more fundamental issue uh, with this project, the density. Now, I, I want to say that and put it in context just a little bit, right? This particular complex that's being proposed is 18.1 dwelling units per acre. Carlton, on the street I'm on, which has 7,000 uh, uh, 7, square feet, right, per uh, lot, is about uh, six, okay? So it's a factor of three, immediately transitioning from my house to the next place. The current view that I have to my backyard, I can see kind of a skyline, I can see the lights across the street, which, believe it or not, gives me comfort because my son's over there, right? That's all going to disappear. All I'm going to see is the back of buildings, right? Uh, so a lot of things come with this idea that we want to get more people in one spot. 
And, and I, I understand the necessity for it, but I think we need to look at it a little bit closer because you give up a lot. One of the things that you give up is some of the flexibility in the neighborhood. Our neighborhood has full street, parking on both sides, large driveways, and two-car garages. There's times where our street gets backed up. Now, I know you don't want to talk about that tonight, but what you do want to talk about is the fact that the new development has no street parking and that it's not going to be sufficient. You know, you can go through the why, you know, why, you know, I wrote to a letter to the committee, you know, quite long one that addressed this, talked about how families, you know, they need income, they can bring uh, other people in, their families get bigger, you get more adult drivers. The more adult drivers you get automatically expands who's been on the street. And if you have people like the apartments across the street coming across uh, Cambridge, that adds up to it. Now, we've been able to manage that. Why? Because it was designed properly to begin with. This high-dense development does not allow that to happen. As soon as you get three or four people in there, if those three or four people are um, adults, driving adults, they will park somewhere else. They have to. And where do they park? Van Owen, Cambridge. You know, it's going to be untenable. And with that, a loss in property value. Okay? You know, I, I, the property values of my house are going to immediately go down. Now, why is that? Because as soon as people walk through the door, they're going to see a, a wall. They don't want that. It doesn't feel comfy. It doesn't feel, you know, uh, relaxing, you know. So I can see, you know, they may not drop in price, but they'll be stagnant in price. So that's not good. So I, I said that, and of course, there's the privacy issue with noise and all kinds of other things. I don't know, that's already been dwelled on. And I've talked a little bit about the parking issue, which is real. Thank you very much for your comments. We appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Lily Tucker, and then after Lily, Carolyn Jones. Thank you for your time tonight. And I'd like to say one thing about the privacy first. Our privacy is very important to us. We've been living there for many years. My husband and I have been there for over 48 years. And we've raised our children and some of our grandchildren there. And with what's going to happen with that wall, they, she talked about how you have a little backyard. From where you sit to right here is 10 feet. That's where that house is going to be built behind my yard, two, two story high with the windows back there. And two of those homes will be right in my backyard. My backyard is 7,000 square feet wide. So two of those homes are going to fit right in my backyard, 10 feet from here to where you're at. And they're going to have windows, and they're going to be able to see into my living room, which is in my back of the yard, my, dining, uh, my uh, family room, and my master bedroom. There will be no privacy at all for us back there, not counting of everything else that's going to be taking place, like the traffic that the, I know we're, we're not supposed to talk about the traffic. But with that density of homes in there, it will be over 100 cars coming in and out of there. And I know for a fact my granddaughter, who came up to visit us one time, she was coming across Catella. She got hit right there before she got to my house. There was a man coming across the street and hit her right on the driver's side. She had to go for therapy. And that's, that's without what's going to take place right now with all these homes that they're trying to build right behind us. 
there's no privacy at all for us at all. And I hope you take that into consideration because I don't think you would like to wake up in the morning and, and have all these homes right behind you. There'll be two homes right behind us, eight feet apart between the two walls of the two homes right in the, my backyard. And then on the other side, another home and on the other side, that means four homes could be looking into my backyard. And I don't think nobody wants that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Carolyn Jones, and after Carolyn Jones, Rosalie Hunt. Hi, good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Carolyn. I've lived on Carlton Street for over 13 years, but I've also been um, uh, living here in the city of Orange since 1983. So really important to, to note that I'm not, I'm not opposed to any construction here in the city of Orange, right? But really, most importantly, it's the support for responsible development in our community. Um, I understand because we are a growing population, but it's really imperative that there's the, any new development aligns with the existing infrastructure and the res, and respects the character of our neighborhoods. Um, it is really important to prioritize the well-being and the needs of current residents while also meeting the demands of the, the demand for housing. But most importantly, I think my, my neighbors um, have also really um, uh, exacerbated the issue for privacy. Um, and so my backyard, obviously, it backs up to the new development, and it's really, really imperative that we address that lack of privacy measures because these proposed two-story and three-story density homes do not provide provisions for any shielding walls. Um, any, there's nothing, no plans of planting high hedging of trees. Um, I, it sounds like there's only one tree per backyard. Um, this can exacerbate the concerns for privacy invasion and a loss for peaceful residential environment and also I think it's also said that there's an increased pollution and noise that we've already addressed in insufficient par parking allocation within that community that's proposed but really most importantly I do want to say our community character and aesthetics of the city of Orange because we chose to live here we have a unique character that will be altered significantly by the introduction of high density housing within that middle of Catella but most importantly we chose to live here because of the, of the peel and charm of Orange but may I re kindly remind you on your website, it does say that Orange, California is a great place to live, work, and shop. From the plaza to our top-rated hospital schools and parks, we are a slice of old town charm. Our community would like to keep with that statement and that motto. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Rosalie, and after Rosalie, Doug Hamilton. Oh, I gave it to you. No, you, I gave it to you already. Yeah, I gave you a packet of these nine. No, I gave it to you. Okay, I mean, it's okay. Can, can I get more? Can you pass them? There, I think it's right here. Well, he, he can pass it out, it's okay. Um, my name is Rosalie Huynh, and my husband and I live on Carlton. We've lived there for over 23 years. 
Um, when we um, decided to buy a home, we looked at all of the communities in Orange County, and we really loved Orange, so I specifically said I only want a home in Orange because of its unique character and the adequate spacing and privacy. Um, the new homes that are being proposed does not provide the current residents with their privacy, and the packet that I've um, given you shows pictures of people's homes in their backyard from 15 feet back, and they're only proposing a 10-foot setback, and that's at a height of 25 feet, so which is equivalent to a second-story um, window looking out. There will be zero privacy. Um, I've enclosed pictures with people's yards that have trees, you can't have any shielding, even with a couple of trees, and they're proposing one tree. Um, some of the older trees in our backyards may be diseased, and they would be removed, um, and one of my neighbors had told me that, so that would afford her even less privacy, and if she were to plant a new tree, it wouldn't mature quick enough before, um, you know, before the homes get built. Um, so again, I'm stressing to please reconsider the project and deny it because it doesn't give us enough privacy. Um, the builder told us at the builder meeting um, a few weeks ago that this project is very similar to the one in Tustin that they are building, and it's not. The last page shows that the west side has a large parking lot next adjacent to a medical building, I guess, and the south side faces apartments, which faces their garage, and they're all 30 to 40 feet distance. If they propose something like that, I don't think we would be against it. We're definitely not against new housing community construction. We're just against invasion of privacy that people will want to enjoy when they come home. They won't have the sanctuary that they currently have right now. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next, we have uh, Doug Hamilton, and after him, uh, Ty Lee. Hi. Um, I've been a resident in the neighborhood for almost 38 years now. I drive on Cambridge Street every single day. Um, I'm a real estate broker. I sell many homes in the area. Um, I'm opposed to the project because of the three-story um, structures. But also, one thing um, to consider, the homes were built first, the commercial, the commercial were built second. The commercial have certain um, restrictions on height currently, and probably, I, I haven't looked at the documents, but I'm assuming that there are currently some setback requirements that the new project will be pushing into. Um, another thing is the two-story structures on the north side of the property the 10 foot that they're concerned about. The, the height ought to be concerned because most of the time the sun travels in the southern sky and those structures are gonna be knocking all the sun out of these owners' backyards. It'll affect their trees, their growth, their enjoyment. The, you know, the, the sun just won't be there. So um, when you have a, a there's currently the two-story height restriction on the property. And if you put three-story structures there, there's no way to mitigate the change between two-story and three-story. 
So it's, um, it is incompatible with the neighborhood. And another thing that others have brought up, but having traveled on Cambridge Street, and I know you're not gonna consider this, but that S curve is very dangerous. If you look at the drawings that were put on this screen, you'll see all the additional striping where they've eliminated a, a traffic lane because of all the great number of accidents that have occurred over the years at Carlton Street. That, danger, that driveway that they're talking about um, coming out, there's been almost no traffic for years. That was an AT&T building. There were a few cars back there. Um, when you have 128 parking spaces as being proposed, I think traffic will be like five trips a day for the 128 cars that are there. Um, a traffic engineer could better advise you, but there will be a lot of additional traffic dumping into the street there. You've got a driveway that comes out of the gas station. You've got another driveway that follows coming out of the apartments. You're gonna have this driveway coming out with maybe 500 trips per day. And then you've got Carlton. We've had major accidents at, at these intersections. The city's doing a study right now on problems that have occurred. So those are my comments. Thank you for considering. Thank you. Uh, Ty Lee. No, uh, Janet Magic. After Janet, I have uh, Richard Houski. Hi, good evening. Um, don't do well with public speaking, so I'm gonna do my best. This um, development, proposed development is very upsetting to me and has caused me sleepless nights. My property is in the far, far corner that nobody thinks is gonna be bothered by it, but it will be. My life will change drastically. The privacy of my home will be robbed. My neighbors and, my, and their children will all live a whole different lifestyle as if we're being watched daily. For me, the direct line of sight will literally be my living room right there. You get to see everything I get to do in the evening. My bathroom, my bedroom, my laundry room, you get to see me live my life in a fishbowl if you were to purchase one of those homes behind me. So, in order for me to have tranquility and peace and feel secure within my confine of my homes, I will have to have my curtains closed for the rest of my life. What kind of quality of life will that be for me? I won't be able to enjoy my own greenery, my own backyard. So that alone is upsetting. The develop, I, has lived on that street for almost 20 years. We love our street, we love our community. We love the feel of our single story homes. I know new development needs to happen. I'm not opposed to it. This development does not com compare to what's around it. There are literally no homes in the city of Orange 
that have three stories with a rooftop deck in a single dwelling. The comparison of a five-story apartment building that they're referring to is up by the Honda Center in an empty parking lot next to a Starbucks in a movie theater. The other apartment buildings, which were just built right there over off of Orange, at least have green screens with plenty of parking spaces. The building is within the center of the lot. It gives a soft transition, but that also is giving a soft transition to non-residents. It's just commercial property around it. There's nothing like this in the city. And sorry, there's there's just nothing like this in the city, and this Thank will be the you. first of its time. Of Thank its you time. very much. Thank you, Richard Housky, and after Richard Housky, uh, Timothy Eng. Uh, Inga. Well, since we I came earlier and uh, I had to leave for a second, I'd come back but you have all these things that are not in your purview, so I feel kind of limited in my comments now, but uh, I'm right on the corner. I'm right on that S corner um, there at the very edge. Um, so I can't address traffic. It's just it's an obvious thing, and it's been well addressed already. I guess one thing I'd like to address is that the density of those homes is not just going to be families that move in. The way our... our um, economy is going, people are, are renting out rooms. People are actually converting garages into Airbnbs because times are tough and it's hard to make these payments in your taxes and that sort of thing. And are there any guidelines or any restrictions in place on these units to prevent them from becoming like an Airbnb? Um, to, or just rent out room by room, not just to a family in a, in a unit, but actually to fill up each room with a separate tenant with a separate car. Um, so the cars actually in, not, not out around and about in our neighborhoods and all that, but actually in the complex could be extremely excessive. Um, and uh, I, that's a great concern to me. I've been there 23 years now myself. And uh, I just love our little neighborhood. It's quiet. It's safe for kids to play. We, get, we do get a lot of cars, especially in front of my house, because I'm the first place to park when you pull in there. So the apartments across the street. You know, they use, they use our area all the time. That will only be exasperated, but that's not under your purview. I just want to say I'm really concerned about the residency limits, that it can't just be used for filling every room with a separate tenant sort of thing. That kind of thing is happening in Orange, and it could happen a lot in this, uh, this proposed community. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Timothy Ingo. Thank you. And after him, we will have uh, Amy Moon. Moon, sorry. I'm sorry about mangling your names. Please go ahead. Good evening, Good evening everyone uh, at the council. My name is Timothy, last name NGO. I'm living in this city more than 48 years, six months. I agree with all of the previous uh, speakers. That's my concern as well. The only thing that, as a retired civil structure designer engineering, I could say, if you approve this project, 
you will demote all of the life of more than 1,000 people around into suffering. Now, I suggest you bring this project, beautiful project, go to somewhere else. Put back this place to be a commercial as usual. That's the only way help everybody. Because my uncle who lived in 719 Van Owen, that car accident, riot Van Owen in Cambridge, and he passed away after one year. She's real seriously. So that's my all would like to say that please look at our life. If you put yourself into our life, you will understand. Thank you. Thank you. After Amy, we have uh, Hung Dong. Thank you for listening to us. I'm not usually do these kind of things, so I prepared something, but now I realize what I said isn't going to all apply, but I'll just say it, and then I'll go off the cuff of what I'm not prepared. Um, I've lived out in East Carlton for more than 10 years, and I thought a lot about what I could say um, about this project. Uh, this project does not have enough parking for future residents. It doesn't, and, and they'll end up parking on our street. I thought about how I could bring up the impact on my home's value or how my neighbor's privacy will be violated. I'm not on the side that it will be violated, but I care about my neighbors and I care about their kids playing in the backyard without people looking at them. That's creepy. Um, and they can also see the street too. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the biggest concern for me is the safety issue of increased traffic on how it impacts the residents. Um, with 49 new homes, with, that means over 100 new cars, parked there um, and coming out. Uh, the increased traffic will be bothersome and increased wear and tear on the already busy streets. It's more, it'll be more dangerous to turn onto Cambridge. The blind corner already makes it difficult and I cannot, cannot imagine trying to leave my home. Um, it, it, it would just be a matter of time until people leaving Carlton or get hit by northbound cars. It's not fair that leaving our homes would suddenly become more dangerous. I have two kids who will be learning to drive in the next few years, and it's not fair to them that now leaving their homes is more treacherous. It will also be dangerous for the residents to leave onto Catella as they risk being hit when they come out of the driveways. So even the people coming into these new homes are going to be at, at, in danger when they leave on Catella. That's, people are going fast and they're on Catella. If you approve this, how will you feel when someone gets T-boned and ends up seriously injured? Will you regret voting to approve this? Um, some other things, I don't think the, you talked about aesthetics and I appreciate you guys giving, talking to the storage facility and seeing how that's done with asking particular trees and pressing them on that. And I think that's really great that you guys do that and you're fulfilling a really great need in our community. And I would just ask that, can you, this, this new development doesn't, is not attractive, it's, it's ugly. And the trees that they are applying are not adequate. There's not enough green space. What are we gonna, there's gonna probably gonna, people have dogs, where are they gonna go to the bathroom? And just let's be practical about that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hung Don, and after uh, him, we have Rob Lanning. 
All right, good evening, everyone. My name is Hung, and I've been living on the street for almost a decade. And uh, as you know, my neighbor already basically uh, spoke all the reason, really good reason. And I just want to point out a few things that if you look at, you know, one of the things that the developers show, but they don't show the entire picture of the neighborhood, of the neighborhood is, if you look at the building, basically just to the east of where they're proposing, you know, those two uh, commercial buildings, the setback distance is almost 115 feet, and that is just a, you know, uh, two-story building. So just like my neighbor, you know, we're not opposed to new building. Uh, we all know that we need, you know, new housing, but not at all costs. And, you know, if they want to have a multi-story, you know, please limit to a, a two-story house and, you know, just match the existing setback that the other two, you know, commercial building is having, you know, which is about 115 feet. And um, another thing is, um, you know, that, that uh, three-story with the rooftop, you know, those are basically continuous building and it will create basically just like a south wall, you know, just like, you know, we, you're going on the freeway, right? And then if we approve this project, you know, there's nothing gonna stop us basically of stopping the another developer building the same thing, you know, right across the street, which basically is gonna create a south wall just like if you're driving on a freeway, you will have buzzing sound, right? And I, I don't think that taken into account into the, whatever report that they mentioned. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I had to say. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Rob Lanning, and after Rob Lanning, David Stoitzel. Hello, thank you. Uh, walking around the neighborhood, uh, I think the general consensus is this development is an abomination. Everybody's already said everything that I could possibly say about it. Um, I don't know what's so great about the California architecture. If you go down Catella like the one neighbor was saying, I mean, it's like you're going through a tunnel. There's nothing attractive about it. There's nothing California about it. It's just a mess. Um, I don't know what is transitional about our neighborhood. Uh, the only transition I see is the developer wanting to transition commercial real estate or commercial um, uh, property into a, a housing development for their own profit. Uh, it certainly does not uh, benefit our neighborhood. Um, it's incompatible with our neighborhood. The homes, as she said, are there since 1960 some from the 80s. I mean, it's, it can't, it's very difficult for us as we come up here and talk about this uh, because it is a very emotional um, issue for us. And the only way we can talk about this is uh, in our emotion and bring up the, ob uh, the subjects that you said we cannot mention. If we're gonna talk about aesthetics, uh, you have a couple traffic fatil uh, fatalities already on uh, Cambridge and Catella. Um, the aesthetics there are not gonna be nice when cars are crashing into each other and you have ambulances and people uh, with you know relatives and friends and uh, family who are messed up. So 
we just ask that you take all these things into consideration, and we do thank you for listening to us. Thank you. David uh, Stoitzel, and after him, Alex Martin. Good evening. Uh, my name is Dave Stessel. I live on Van Owen. We are part of a community in the Carlton, Van Owen, Trenton area. Been in the house for 35 years. We do not support the program, but we do support our community. Um, there's a lot of things about the privacy that you've heard today. We support all that. The traffic, the parking on site is very going to be very tough. That will impact our local communities throughout the area where we park and we walk our kids. A couple of things we're looking at is that they talked about the privacy. You know, right now, as someone talked about, as we have sunlight coming into our backyards, you put two-story buildings, that's gone. That impacts our lifestyle in our backyards that we bought 30 years ago. That's why we here are in, are in Orange. We love this area. It's part of our home. So you're changing what we looked at 30 years ago. We bought in the existing AT&T home. It's over 100 feet away. Now you're putting 10 feet away a block wall. Our sight lines, we're not going to be able to see the sun. Our backyard, our landscaping is going to go away. Um, right now, the corner of Cambridge and Catella is open. We've got gas stations. We've got buildings set back. Now you're putting a monument, three stories, 40 feet tall on the corner. What's going to happen to the other corners? Is this a start that you're now going to accept this in your neighborhoods? If you put it in ours, we're going to combine support for in your place. So please don't make this personal. Um, the view lines are going to be obstructed, we talked about. This is all completely different. There are utility lines along the back of the properties on Carlton right now. They're going to be looking out. They're right there at the two stories. Are they going to be relocated? Are they going to be left there that the people are going to impact that? We hear all the stuff about the winds and how that creates a problem 10 feet away. Those power lines could potentially break and cause a fire. There's a lot of safety issues that you need to consider. Um, you talk about the corner with the, the little pocket parks, walk your dogs, it's an impact, it's something, it's a start. They're thinking about it, I appreciate what they can do to beautify it. There's a bus stop on the corner, are they gonna relocate that? You want a bus stop in your front door? Walk right out and jump on, great chill. You see what people are living out there on the bus stop? I don't think I want them in my front yard. Are there any concessions the city can give the residents that will be impacted? Is there something they can do to help, as someone talked about, drapes, sound impact the windows? Is there a way that they can deaden that sound? Someone made a good comment about now we've got 40-story buildings. Sounds are going to reverberate around differently. So we've got to really think about how this totally impacts the site. Yes, we have traffic issues. We also have parking issues. So thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Next, I have Alex Martin. And then I will uh, call again for Vivian Nin. Hi. Somehow I've avoided every public speaking in my entire life, so this is terrifying. But I'm trying. Um, my name is Alex Martin. I live in one of the, the nine houses directly behind um, 901 East Catella. I live with my husband, three-year-old son, and baby boy on the way. We love orange. <laughs> Um, we love our orange and love our neighborhood. We have developed a great community and friendships. Oh my gosh, sorry. Where all of our kids play together on the street and it's really been a dream come true where kids could still have community and childhood. This proposed property will greatly affect the change of our neighborhood and for the worse. First off, I don't think it's appropriate to have homes two story 
only 10 feet from my wall, especially um, since if I tried to make my house two-story, it'd have to be 20 feet set back. So why do they get to do theirs closer? My son loves to run in the sprinklers in the backyard naked. So how is this gonna affect with all, not just the two houses right behind us, but all the, oh my gosh, I'm shaking this. Is, no wonder I don't ever public speak. Um, but also, no one has said the rooftop decks. They're just gonna look in my backyard while my kids are playing. <clears throat> my second concern is traffic. Obviously, we've all talked about traffic and parking, um, but even like our property values. If you bought a house with these huge things right behind it, would you wanna buy that or they could look into your backyard? No. <sighs> also, I wanted to point out that on the Orange website, it definitely goes against multiple points in the Drenel Plan and the LU4. Oh, sorry. Um, policy 1.4 states, ensure that new development reflects existing design standards, qualities, and features that are, not, are in context with nearby development. Policy 1.6 states, minimize effects of new development on the privacy and character of surrounding neighborhoods. Seventh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, this design also does not fit in our neighborhood at all. She was comparing it to Eichler Homes. I'm sorry, I love my neighborhood, but I would love to live in an Eichler home. They all have sunrooms and big windows, and all they do is emphasize sun. And these houses will just take away all the sun from my kids' backyard to play. Um, we love our neighborhood and have developed an amazing community and friendship and all of our kids get to play in the backyard, but all of this will completely affect their childhood. Okay, I'm done. Oh Thank you very much. Is, is Vivian here to speak? No. Vivian went home. How about uh, Ty Lee? No. All right. Then that concludes the public <coughs> comment session for the meeting. Uh, so we will not hear any more public comment. Uh, now uh, the committee is uh, able to ask any questions of staff or the applicant. Oh, and before we start that, um, would staff like to update us on what the, what's going on with the audio visual? The... Uh Okay, uh, the audio and visual uh, is not live right now, but the audio will be available uh, tomorrow on the city website. Okay, so so the only uh, recording is audio as we as we understood is just not going out to people right now, Correct. but it'll be available tomorrow. Okay, great. So um, we can start then with the committee if there are any questions. For, please go ahead, Mr. Farkman. I have a question specific to landscape, civil, architecture, and overall. Um, where would you like me to start? Uh, or staff? <laughs> start with staff, I think. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, let's start with... Uh, in the backyard, we have that... Uh, if we can go to the landscape plan um, and show that rear park... I don't know if that's been shown. Or L-20, either one of those. 
Well, that comes up. My concern is uh, we have a park, it's open to the public, and the access is limited by the parking. So I wanna discuss how does staff plan on providing ADA access to that park? Committee member Farfan, thank you for that question. Um, I did inquire with the, uh, the building division. Uh, they had indicated that the, that the building code does not require ADA access uh, for, for for sale homes. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, the next question, in the rear yards on the north side of the two-story homes, you, you're proposing some trees. Um, these trees are shown in a non-HOA uh, area. How does the, how can the HOA enforce that um, the trees can be kept or if they die, replaced? Uh, if we can cover a little bit about that. I think that would be best asked to the applicant. Okay, perfect. I'll come back to the... Let me see. Okay, the applicant's going to answer your oh, question. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Chair McDermott and uh, Mr. Ferfin. Um, I'll respond to your question. My name is Rick Puffer. I'm Vice President of Development with Intercorp Homes. Mm -hmm. I appreciate being here tonight. The, the comment and the question regarding the HOA, there is a budget that's set forth for the maintenance and perpetuity for the entire association that covers landscaping. It does include tree trimming and replacement. And so there is a budget for that, uh, sorry about that, for the replacement of trees and continual perpetual ongoing maintenance for the landscaping. You can do that in a private backyard, not in an HOA landscape planting? When it comes to the private backyard space, there are requirements that the HOA can also police over and establishment of trees to make sure that homeowners are doing what they're supposed to. So the HOA will have the CCNRs that are written and get recorded so that homeowners comply with those standards. Got it. Okay. All right. And then uh, that ends my staff questions. Okay. Anything further? Oh, uh, yeah. Would you, I could start on landscape if that's okay. Let's go right. It. All right. Perfect. Go through on everything you got. Um, if the landscape architect's on uh, in the um, audience. Perfect. Hey there, Phil Hello. Stevens with Land Concern. Thanks, nice to meet you. Um, in the backyards, or also in the backyards and in the corridor between the buildings, the three-story buildings, um, I noticed the shade study that you presented doesn't cover that corridor, but in, in seeing how the shade patterns happen, a lot of the, that whole corridor in the middle between the three-story homes is going to be completely full shade all the time. Um, I've noticed that the plantain palette that you have Sometimes it requires full sun, sometimes partial sun. How do you, um, how, how would you like to address that, that concern? Sure, um, there is some flex between some of the species, like for instance, like the Raffumbolata can do kind of that transitional sun shade study or it can be full sun. So we try to avail of ourselves of species that can do some of that flex. Um, and in the case of the trees, we try to use like an understory tree, like the Cirsus canadensis, which oftentimes can work beneath or adjacent to a canopy of another tree. So in this case, we have a building that's you know, simulating the canopy. Um, and then we try to go for vertical species that try to go up to the light, like the um, palm tree. So we're trying to balance it with a few of those techniques. Got it, thank you. Um, 
I noticed the the irrigation main line goes through the between the one of the alleyways and goes right underneath the small little planting area in front of the homes of the two-story and some of the other homes. How do you plan to have a two-inch main, uh, I'm sorry, a main line and also planting that same zone? So that will be a function of uh, sleeves uh, under the driveways and then um, you'll have limited planting. There is a number of the utilities that do occur in those little planters that um, Committee Member Farlan is re referencing. Um, it is a it's a difficult spot, no doubt. No, no doubt. Definitely, I'm concerned with the you know the health and root. You know, it's just very small. It's going to be a difficult condition. Plants are organic, as you know, and it's going to be hard to grow in those conditions. Okay. What I don't see in the plans are valve boxes, uh, transformers, um, but I did notice ACs are on top. Uh, can you? Tell us if that's coming later and is that's going to affect the planting areas? Sure. <clears throat> so as you mentioned, um, dry utilities are still being worked out in their placement. Um, sometimes we do encourage the use of like a concrete Brooks box so that those mm -hmm. can be located within the sidewalk profile and not in, um, encroach upon the landscape pockets, which are already, you know, sacred uh, for getting some green on either side of the houses. That's what I usually advocate for. And then transformers are conceptually located and we have some gaps uh, to accommodate those so that we can remain with the trees as shown on the plans. Where are those? So one transformer is proposed um, on the upper right-hand corner of building 13, I believe, which is there's a single parking space and then there's a triangular corner. So I believe there's one um, slated for that corner. And then, um, I believe at the lower left corner of unit 24, which is that same kind of building row, but on the lower left-hand corner would be another potential transformer location. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. It just seems the, the planting is tight as it is, and uh, the planting is going to further suffer with more utilities that are yet to be determined, yet to be sized, yet to be placed, and yet to be shown on the plans. Um, so that's a concern. Um, can you describe the fencing on Cambridge and also at the Middle Park? But uh, what's the purpose of the fencing in that corner triangle yard on the top? The fencing in the corner is responding to a concern about uh, transient activity and uh, the abatement of such. Got it. That makes sense. Perfect. And then um, in terms of the synthetic turf, it didn't... I didn't know until tonight that that synthetic turf, I think someone mentioned it, um, it's not shown on the plans. Is that, um, what's the reason why you're using synthetic turf versus real turf? So when there's as little synthetic turf as there is, or as little turf area as there is on a plan such as this, in my mind, it's sort of a question of, do you want to bring maintenance in for such a small area, or can you make it a little bit more low impact in terms of mowing and blowing? So in this case, it was below my own personal threshold uh, for bringing in mowers, and so I went with synthetic turf, free up a little bit more water usage for some of our moderate water trees. Perfect. And you're still irrigating. I noticed in the irrigation plan, you're still irrigating like as it's turf just for sanitary. For washdown, yeah. Perfect. Um, one of the... One of my concerns is the corridors there. The buildings are really close to the alleyways and minimal planting. And one of the plants that's listed on there, it's labeled as LNR, but it's not on the legend. What, what shrub is that? Oh, I think that's my buddy, uh, Loris Noblis, Saratoga. Ah, got it. 
and that that fits in in that little planting area. <laughs> you know, I don't remember the planting area you're indicating. Would, would you mind describing it so I can see? The yeah, location? it's uh, in between, let's say, home 21 and and home 20, and it's uh, right in the corners, right at the edges. It's not shown on. It's just shown as green areas. A little, okay. Right. Uh, either side of the garage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it is a sturdy shrub with a little bit of that sunlight tolerance. Um, it won't grow to its full potential as you're getting getting at, but we also don't want it to get too big in that space anyways. So it'll be naturally limited by the foundations, footings, and root barriers that are adjacent to it, and we're, we're okay with that limitation for the small space that it's in. Yeah, aesthetically, I'm concerned with the height of the homes and the limited planting area and how, you know, usually you want something that's substantial and buffers and and you know has a foundation plant against a tall architecture, correct? Um, all right. That's uh, in terms of the tree species in the north side. That's supposed yeah. to be buffering the home. I believe you have a metal luca. I'm sorry, uh, crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle. Crepe yeah. myrtles. I I've never used a crepe myrtle as a landscape screening. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you selected that tree in particular, with the height of the walls being seven plus feet? Et cetera, et cetera. Sure. It's, it's not a perfect screening tree uh, because, as you're alluding to, it's deciduous, but we do like its flower color. And I'm of the opinion that in the wintertime, when you do want to have a little bit more open light, then having a deciduous tree is advantageous for that reason. So it's sort of a balance between its uh, deciduous form and then the light that it lets through in the wintertime and then its seasonal interest with fall color and flowers. Got it. Um, we'll go in our discussion with the committee will go over in terms of their tree selection in terms of species and full sun to partial in my quick analysis most of your trees require full sun so I think overall the landscape health of the tree species and even some shrub materials are going to suffer because of the lack of sun so that's one thing we'll consider uh, we'll discuss um, let me see in terms of any more other landscape I think that covers all landscape. We can go to uh, civil and then architecture. Thank you. Thank you. We don't have screens, do we? Good evening. My name is <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, my name is Joy Hendricks from CNV Consulting with Civil Engineer on the project. Perfect. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the double wall in the back? In in looking at your sections, the instead of removing the residential existing wall, you're going to stack another wall, and it's going to be lower than the existing wall. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So along the north property line, we are proposing to keep the existing wall. We've designed and graded the site to maintain the existing, um, the existing grading condition. I think the section needs to be updated. There is a small segment over at the northeast corner that our planner has pointed out uh, that there is a minor grade change there. There will be a double wall condition in that location. The length of the wall will be determined uh, during final engineering. Um, but we don't feel like it will expand the rest of it in the entire wall, just be in that corner. So the idea is that the existing wall will remain. It's located off-site. 
and um, we'll limit the amount of impact to our uh, neighbors to the north. Got it. Um, there's some concerns I have. One, there's an opening between the existing wall and the proposed wall. Some of it is plus or, or minus six inches. Okay. Is there going to be a cap to prevent things from falling, people, uh, head entrapment, people entrapment? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's usually filled with a styrofoam and then capped with a mortar to prevent any intrusion of uh, animals, trash, debris, limits the maintenance, and um, makes it more safe overall. Got it. And visiting the site and standing at Cambridge, right where the road bends, uh, if you stand in route, <clears throat> do it 360 degrees, there's a, a plethora of wall types, you know, precision walls, slump walls on the site. Um, do you have any information on the type of wall you're going to be adding in front of a, a slump tan wall? Uh, usually we uh, install a CMU type masonry wall. Uh, but if you don't mind, could you go back to section G, uh, E? I think you were looking at before. Yeah, that's showing a condition where there's two existing walls located, uh, one on-site and one off-site. In that case, uh, both walls would be remaining. Got it. So I, I was caught off guard when you said proposed, and I said, I don't think we have proposed, so I Got it, but in I had to look at it more G, closely. Yeah. In section G, you do have a proposed G, wall. yes, that's because of the retaining condition. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me see. Um, more civil. So, um, to to clarify, we are proposing a wall on the east property line adjacent to the commercial. Got it. Uh, I know this may not be in your scope, but it's uh, the gas meters. There are they located? Um, where, where are they located at? <laughs> sure. Uh, they will be um, mounted on the side of uh, each unit. Usually on a duplex product, they are grouped together on one side of the building. On the other side of the building, we'll have the electrical panels, uh, cable TV. Uh, this project is offering a private on-site domestic water system. And each unit will be submetered inside the garage for water. So that opens up the project for a little bit more cleaner type of uh, dry utility design. Got it. Thank you. Uh, that concludes my questions. Yeah, thank so you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. And then, sorry, my last uh, uh, questions are for the architect. <coughs> Michael Stone with Bassini and Lagoni. Um, can you confirm all the AC units are on, on the roof on the third floor? For the three-story product, they are. The two-story product would obviously not have a AC unit on the roof. It's a, a pitched roof. Okay. And are those going to be in the landscape and they're not shown, or are they shown? The, the, I don't know if we have them. No, they're not on the civil plan, uh, but they, they would be located in the rear yard with the oh, rear yard? FAU in the, in the attic. Got it. And, and I was looking for a section between the, the corridors going in. Seems like if you're standing there, the buildings kind of cave in as the second story and then third story kind of enclose into the alley. Is that correct? Uh, on the, you're talking about the dry valley or the paseo? Yeah, so the dry valley they are because there's a cantilever over the garage. Um, and then at the third floor, you have a six inch offset again just for articulation. So it's not like it's a huge uh, coming in, but you do have the two foot from the garage to the second floor. Perfect. And then uh, on the side yards, they're four feet. Um, 
and the only access is through the, the alleyways. What I'm concerned about is just the architecture design of the houses, they're all straight back, and we just talked about how they cave in, but it's gonna create this very harsh corridor with really no vertical landscape buffers between the homes where that's possible. And, and just thinking about, you know, how would I improve that if possible, what I would do maybe in the comment on in the comment sections, maybe uh, relocating those doors and we'll discuss that later, but maybe having a garage door access to that and having a planting area between those units if, if that's uh, hopefully a possibility. Yeah, there, there was some discussion uh, about that and what the widths are um, because the houses are so close together, that's why we did go with a straight wall. Uh, you do have some accents from the fronts that return down there, uh, but again, it was kind of, uh, from a privacy standpoint, uh, what's there. Uh, because the trash cans are inside of the garage, we don't have them in the side yard, uh, there was a thought not to have the man door, again, to provide more possibility for private use of that yard. You don't have the door swing or, or any obstruction access that way. Got it. And my last question, um, in the renderings, you're showing a black vinyl, you mentioned vinyl windows in someone's presentation. Um, are those gonna be white framed or black? At this point, it's to, to be determined. Um, that's one of those questions about uh, availability and, and product as we continue going through it. Uh, conceptually, we are trying to, to go for the, the black frames, but again, we don't know what will be available on the market by the time construction comes around. Got it. Thank you. That concludes my questions. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much for those questions. Uh, do you have any questions down here? Yeah, go, why don't you go ahead then. Um, I'll start with landscape. Uh, I'll start with landscape since we have spent a lot of time there. Um, in regards to the comments that have already been said about plant material, uh, particularly with its exposure to sunlight, I share a lot of those concerns. Um, I also wanted to bring up what hasn't been mentioned yet, the use of the tiny tower um, cedar at the rear of the property. My experience is that this thing grows at a phenomenally slow rate, phenomenally, phenomenally slow rate, even in full sun. So I'm, I'm not sure that that provides any um, screening effect at all. Um, so I just wanted to share some concern over that. Um, just for clarification purposes, and this is probably more for staff, overhead easement utility, I'm sorry, overhead utility easement on, I'm sorry, the name of the street behind, uh, Carlton. This is on the Carlton property side, not on the subject property side, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, the double wall, doesn't our municipal code actually prohibit walls being this close to one another? Yes, but it's an existing condition. Isn't one of the walls new? That's not what I understood. Isn't one of the walls new? Along the north property line, the walls are going to be remaining. There's a double wall scenario. I see. Already. Oh, okay. I see. I didn't understand that. Thank you. 
Okay, I'll have some some more comments later about the compatibility of the the sun needs of the plants and where they're located. But I want to talk a little bit about trash. Um, so I don't know who from the team probably should come up. But whoever the trash expert on the team is, anyone wants to claim that title? <laughs> They're all vying for. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so my understanding is that the trash cans will be kept inside the garage, and when we look at floor plans of the garage in most of those cases we've got the minimum garage clearance of 20 feet and then immediately adjacent to that we have cans positioned sideways is the only way they're going to fit in here is that am i understanding that correctly you are correct that the dimensions shown on the side of the garages is for the placement of the trash cans could could we go to a, a more I'm sorry, I don't have a specific plan in mind. But in the floor plans, it shows dimensions for the garage. So I'm trying to understand how the trash works from point A to point B. Correct. So if I need to put something in the third trash can, do I back my car out to get to it? No, hopefully not. Um, you do see on the side of the garage that space. So yep. if you do look at the width so, of the so overall. Just, just so you're clear on my question. So if yep. I come out and I need to put something in that third can, how do I do that if there's a car parked there? Well, typically the width of a car can fit in an eight-foot space. That's why garages are 16 wide or eight-foot wide. So typically you would have space, even with that garage door there, to work your way to put, to dispose of, whether it be rubbish, recycling, or plant material. Um, we have three cans shown there, mm -hmm. but most homeowners do not have uh, maintenance for a yard that they need to maintain. So usually they will only need two trash cans. Um, they have to do organics though. In, in which case they would have a third smaller can for organics. Yeah. So then let's go to L6. So I understand what you're saying about how I'm going to get to that can. It's a little bit hard to read because it gets diagrammatic. Um, Wait till we get there we go so if we go down in the right hand corner uh, unit 35 unit 36 um, so if I'm understanding correctly maybe maybe that's not the best place to start uh, it, so what you're showing here is this is where this home is going to put its cans out for collection. Is that correct? Correct. On trash collection day, this is the lo location that they would be placing their, their trash bin. 
Okay, so so if I live in 35, my cans are the dark brown ones, are the brown ones, correct? The cans believed to me to be the yellow ones to the right. Oh, I thought those belonged to 34, because he doesn't. Oh, no, see, they're yellow ones on the other side. Aren't yellow ones belonging to 34 across the street? Uh, I believe you're correct. I can't see close enough to see, okay. but we've, we've assigned each space. Okay. So I'm going to, if I live in 35, I'm going to have 34 placing their trash cans right outside my garage door, correct? For that singular location, correct. So then, if I go up to unit five and six, um, doesn't that exit, well, doesn't that side yard gate there belong to, behind the trash cans belong to six? I, I don't know this plan specifically. I guess I would say because it looks like if you go from the east side, west side, mm -hmm. the way they're built, you know, and you march over there. So then house number five has their trash cans in front of my yard access, my gate. Is that what I'm seeing? Well, there's a temporary condition here that the two neighbors would have their trash in that space between their garages. And so this is a temporary amount of time it's limited to a 24-hour period for trash collection. And I would just say I'm not a trash expert here, although we worked on this plan several times and got it passed through trash collection and fire for the widths that are allowed. So I'm, I'm not an expert in the placement. I just want to tell you that this has been looked at and analyzed in terms of how it would work and deemed to be consistent with how trash collection would occur in a neighborhood like this. Okay, well, I hope for the resident of number six that you're correct. Um, I would just add, too, um, we've done in neighborhoods where we actually identify the location on the curb. So there's an understanding. So what does that look like? Um, so basically, when you have spots, we would identify where trash is to go so that there's no confusion. And then in the cells documents, we do what's called a lot exhibit. The lot exhibit also shows them, and it's a reference that's disclosed with the purchase of sale. But how is it physically marked? Physically? Did I understand that you know, there's physical markings on the curb or the sidewalk or something? Correct. We're, what we're, does that look like? It's either just a can to mark out the space. Um, if you go in other cities where it's been done, city of Lakewood, they note three locations with the address. And it marks out that that address has that space to to. No, I understand that. What I'm understanding from you is that the ground is physically marked. The hardscape is physically marked. That's correct. What does that look like? A marking with the address with the space for. But how things. how is it done? With, I mean, I assume it's not done with the spray can. Stencil. With a stencil, it, exactly. Okay. Yep. So you'd have little numbers. Correct. Marching all along the street, right? Um, one for the homeowner that shows that space. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the other place where I really have concerns are 
on the inner homes that, you know, not the perimeter, but the, the two inner rows. Um, How do how will this plan not is it reasonable to think that everyone's going to align their trash cans perfectly so that everyone can access their own home? Um, I, I'm imagining someone disabled or mm -hmm. an older person with a walker comes out there and there's trash cans preventing them to get in and out of their homes. And they're not their trash cans, they're their neighbors. So I, I, I'm trying, I think you can see where I'm going with this is I'm just, I'm trying to understand how this trash process works. Correct, that's why it's identified to this level of specificity. Um, if somebody does have a can other than the spots identified general, it'd be in front of their own home. So um, essentially, again, I, I want to say I'm not the trash expert, but I would just acknowledge the amount of time and effort to do this to allocate space for trash, both in width and clearance on the street. So this is the resulting plan for, for the amount of discussion we've had on trash. And mm -hmm. I, I would defer to staff as well in terms of the amount of time we took to separately talk about trash and make sure that we had a a systematic plan identified. Okay. Um, and then I assume that the hatchings on the curves are fire lanes? Correct, those are for fire uh, clearances. Yep, and we're gonna, movements. And we're gonna have trash in those? No, we have trash clear of that and fire has reviewed. That's why you see the dimension there for the alleyways and trash okay. collection day. They have uh, reviewed but, this. But over here you have trash in it and here you barely have trash in it. Correct? Um, there do appear to be two cans that are in it um, on the corner of the homes that are in North Cambridge. So there may be a location or two that we have to look at there. Okay. Well, it's just my concern is you don't have a lot of options, right? There's only so many places to put these. So, so um, I think I've outlined my concerns. Um, I, I'm yet to be convinced that the trash works um, is, I guess, the word I'll use. And um, I know that in my neighborhood, I presume it's the same trash collection for the city of Orange, actually requires that the trash cans be 24 inches apart from one another. Um, so I, I have a little bit of concern that you're showing five foot 10 is actually gonna contain three cans, but we'll, we'll work with that for now. But the reason I'm, part of the reason I'm concerned about this is one of the standards, not the guidelines, but the standards for this type of development that is that all small, small lot subdivisions shall provide trash collection areas adequately and convenient, conveniently placed throughout the development. Rather than doing that, this development has chosen to place it within each garage. Um, I'm concerned about 
that the trash, first of all, is functional and convenient, as it's stated here, but that it also can really get out to the street, not block your neighbors, not block access on the street, and that it actually will fit into the areas that you've shown here. Mm -hmm. um, because the, the standards as I know them for trash are different than what's being reflected here. And that we're also not blocking fire. Um, I mean, that's a pretty basic um, thing that we'd want to avoid. So, okay, so I think I've laid out my concerns for trash. Um, let me get back to the other questions I had. Um, there's been a number of things, I don't know if this is for staff or for the applicant, a number of things that have been brought up and it says, well, the CCNRs will cover those. We don't have CCNRs to review. Um, but let's take, for example, uh, well, we could say the, the landscape at the rear of the property since we've already discussed that. If a tree dies and the neighbor doesn't take care of it, or the neighbor, the owner doesn't take care of it, and the homeowners association does nothing about it, um, how does that get enforced for the benefit of the people who live outside of this development is what I'm asking. Does the city have any authority to enforce that? We can include a condition of approval that requires the uh, HOA to replace the planting material that dies. Are we talking about specifically along the north property line? Right now, yeah. yeah. I'm also thinking there's restrictions on rooftop elements. Um, so yes. if the owner or the HOA doesn't comply with those, where, do, where does that leave? Where does that leave us? Just kind of if I could answer that it it becomes a code enforcement issue and there's the condition that this is a precise plan if a tree was there and it's gone then our code staff have to go out and enforce it okay, as a condition. so we would enforce it through the city would enforce it through code enforcement through a condition yeah through because it's conditioned in the project correct but but someone would someone have to complain about it in order for it to, I mean, it's not anything that anybody, somebody would have to complain. Yeah. We, and then yeah. it would have to be in, investigated, right? Okay. Um, again, since we don't have CCNRs, um, the project's a little bit unique in that it's designed as a, um, with consistency, right? Mm -hmm. But these are individually owned. So typically where you have a condo, townhomes, that kind of thing, you own the inside of the building. You don't have any control over the windows on the building, the paint colors, the light fixtures, any of that kind of thing. How does that work in this type of a, with this type of a product that that consistency gets maintained over time? Mr. Bowden, that's a, that's a great question. Um, in terms of this site, being that it is small lot <coughs> ordinance, 
with the HOA, the maintenance typically, although it is small lot ordinance, we would do common maintenance of the exteriors, which would be things such as exterior maintenance and colors, whether it be controlled by an architectural review, so he wants to change the color. Um, but predominantly in associations like this, we have the HOA control that. And so that they would stay consistent with the color schemes that have been approved. Okay, so it would operate really as a conventional HOA. That is a person wants to make exterior changes, it gets reviewed by the HOA. That is correct. Okay. Um, that's probably it for my questions. I'll have a lot of comments, but um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you might not um, want to go sit down quite yet. <laughs> I have some more questions. Um, okay, so um, thank you so much for bringing up the, the trash. I didn't really pay much attention to the fact that the trash cans are inside the garage in, a, in positions in every single case where one car will have to be pulled out in order to put your trash out. And where is that person put their car while they're putting their trash out, they hover in the street, they go block somebody else's garage in order to pull the trash cans physically out and then be able to get back in their car and drive off. Or this is gonna happen at night when they come home probably before the next day's trash day. But it's all the so, same day. And you're allowed 24 hours to have your cans out. So, so people are gonna put their cans out. What, what day do you guys collect trash in your neighborhood? Thursday. So do I. I'm not far from you. Tomorrow. Don't forget. So, so, um, so you come home Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. You don't pull into your garage. Then you just open your garage. You hover until you can go in and get your trash out, put it out, and then get back in your car and drive into your garage. And every single house is doing it on Wednesday night at some point. So that that's a very... Can I make mention of one, one thing to go along with that? And that is, um, okay, so there's a provision if people want to keep their trash in their garage, they could. Yeah. Separately, these homes do have the side yard. So in that side yard that's fenced, has a full height wall, they would be able to get as a secondary option their trash in that side yard utility area. So there is that separate allocation. And garages, believe it or not, with vehicles in them, do provide some width and this has been looked at i could ask the architect but we have two options for each one of these homes okay. for a location so, for their trash so the side yard though if you're putting um the side yard is also the only way okay if somebody comes as a guest to the project and they want to visit the person who lives in number 40 they might find a parking space in the get in the open parking and then they'd have to walk completely around the building, out down the driveway, out onto Catella, down the sidewalk, and then come up through to the front door of Unit 40, unless they can come down the side yard. You know, somebody might do that. So they'll say, come down the side yard, but not if your trash cans are there, because you only have, don't you have four feet between these? And so we do. that would be... Um, Kind of a deplorable 
situation. <laughs> it would be very rare for somebody, unless they knew them or somebody doing maintenance, to walk through their side yard. The path of travel is given around um, the run of homes. So you should go all the way out to Catella, walk down the sidewalk, come into Unit 40. That, or they would park in their garage if they're visiting them and know them. But um, there's there's a few right. options. Or, or what will probably happen is they'll open the garage. They'll say, "Come on by. I'll open the garage door." So these, their guests could come in through the garage into their house. That is one I mean, scenario that's this prevalent. This is actually what you're planning. I mean, uh, that's how these people are going to live. Okay, just I'm, I'm curious about that. So um, I have a thought, a question about the, um, the choice of landscaping on the north facade. It's very curious to me that You've got trees, and in fact, you've drawn it in your little site diagram, you know, for trees, and they're not positioned in a, in a way to be able to screen the views from the house because they're positioned like between the houses. Was there, was there a thought to placing trees to actually screen, protect the views into the neighbors? Yeah, we originated with that thought being uh, a common space, but this is flexible along that line. Uh, we want to create usable space for the homeowner, but that landscaping can expand and stretch out and uh, does not have to be clustered at the corners. So, so that planting is flexible. Um, it really was the inception of the thought, was yeah. getting it at the corners where you typically see in some I didn't know if that was maybe to actually allow them to get some light because between the buildings for a short time there might be some sunlight that actually hits that part of the yard and maybe that would make it grow uh, I, I i'm just trying to look at this um logically it's it's um my biggest concern and oh i want to i want to um disclose that i did review this project prior to us receiving it on thursday there was an opportunity i don't know was it a, a week and a half ago or something mm -hmm. where we were we were met with staff and were able to kind of review the project. And my, my biggest concern right then is line of sight studies from the second story and line of sight studies from the roof decks. And also from the third store, third story houses, you know, that are looking over the second story into the Carlton Street neighborhood. So I had asked, like, are they going to provide that? Um, and Ms. Schwartz indicated that they had asked for that as well. And so today at four o'clock, we got something, but it's not a line of sight study that's showing anything about how to, what you're gonna see, um, I mean, the angle of, of, of sight through the properties into the back, into the Carlton Street residences. There's nothing from the third story deck, there's the, the fourth story deck or whatever, the roof deck, and there's nothing from the third story windows. All you've done is shown a site study from the neighbor's patio back towards the house, and that's not typically complies with what a line of site study is, exactly. And so you, you showed a lot of renderings, and quite frankly, I've looked at a lot of renderings in my life, mm -hmm. and I know that this is not where the metal, where this is diagrammatic, and I never rely on a rendering for that kind of information. I want to see pad elevations that are correlated with the 
grading plan and heights that are correlated with your heights that are indicated on your plans. And then, and then you can actually see like a five foot height I and what does it, you know, you know, I, I actually believe that the three story structures are going to be blocked from viewing anything in the Carlton neighborhoods, but it would be nice to have a diagram that showed that. And then the exception for that is where the, um, where you don't have any units facing um, or to backing up to the north property line where you have the open space. So then those three-story units across from that would definitely have, we need a line of sight study. What are they going to see? Are you blocking that view with something in your pocket park that could actually protect the privacy of these neighbors? So just the request for line of sight studies was made. We received these renderings an hour before the meeting. It's, um, I just don't think you're understanding the seriousness of, of this issue. Um, so anyway, I, I, I do speak question. to that briefly. Just we we did we we received a request for line of sight study. So with within the model that's created, which is what you see, I believe that's mm -hmm. what you see on your monitor. We produced the images that we were asked for as, as quickly as we could to understand what you're asking for. Right, but I think and, you were asked for this document prior to our review because we were told by staff that you had been asked mm -hmm. for this document mm -hmm. prior to the review I did two weeks ago. Okay. And I get it an hour before the meeting. Those views we can produce and then, um, but the model needs to be created. So that's one thing. I that, don't want the model. Yeah, I yeah. want to see a well, that's This what is I the mean. start. This right, is yeah. the better one for mm -hmm. me. I'm, I'm not... Um, going to depend on three-dimensional renderings because I do them and I know how there's a lot of fudging that can be can happen in them and so and maybe that's not how you roll and maybe that's not what you do but I do know that it's not as helpful a tool to me as an actual section and to see one that goes through where the pocket park is and to see one where there, the pocket park is not pocket park is yeah. not and both from the the three-story structures and the two-story structures, um, I think you need that. I, I don't think it's helpful at all to have a document that is relying 100% on screening by the trees that are in the neighbor's yards. And that 100% of the screening of this, of this view is based on this neighbor having to maintain their own, you know, defend against their... Um, invasion of privacy with their own trees and that you you're the one doing the invading you need to provide the trees to do the screening i, I would add um, <laughs> mrs mrs chair I, I just want to make one comment to this we won't rely just on the neighbor's trees we will place trees there and i, I believe there was a little bit of a misunderstanding on the sections and views that are asked for I want to ask you the question. I think you're asking for a section and we're producing a view. Yeah. We can provide the sections. That's not a problem. Line and we will place sections. landscaping. Yeah. So that's okay. that's something that but if I, I could just, just if I if I could just add to that, I made the same request actually. It's very common that we have mm -hmm. that when we have new higher development adjacent to to existing residential. But I think there's still a misunderstanding 
to attempt to show us the sight line from the Carlton homes. Mm -hmm. We're not concerned about the people who live two and three two and three stories above the Carlton, how much they're going to be impacted by the site views. It's the other way around, because this, this is what we're given. Mm -hmm. yeah. Carlton neighbor looking into your development. So I think there is a misunderstanding of going this way? fundamentally where mm -hmm. we're coming from. And we can absolutely produce those sections. It, it, it was a, a misunderstanding okay. there. Okay, because seriously, this is something mm -hmm. that is, we look at for any time someone builds two stories next to one story houses. Yep. We, this is just, mm -hmm. we go through these view things with excruciating detail. So um, I was just questioning, yeah, why these documents were produced yeah. and not an actual site's line of site study. Our consultants are making notes right now and they're slightly bummed because they did work hard on these, but they will definitely produce those sections. No problem. Thank you. Um, uh, Carol, can I just also, sorry to interrupt. I just want to note that the Carlton houses are different distances yeah. from these. Right. So, yeah. so yeah. the like number one, unit number one is very close yeah. to that house. So I would like to take that into account as well, that there is variation and There's we need to see more than yeah. one example. Yeah. Right? And it should be noted too that many of the houses cannot plant the trees that have been shown in their backyards because they're under uti utility lines. Right, 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 right. Oh. So yeah. it's it's a okay, reverse. So what we were provided is a reverse of what we. It's a reverse of what we were wanting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I have more comments, but I'm. Um, these were questions. Um, oh, one other question there, because you have rear sliding glass doors on your plan threes, they're going to need to have a light that's turned on by you know, someone from inside the house before they go out that door. Um, there are no lights indicated there on your lighting uh, light study sheet, the lighting plan or whatever we call that here, the uh, photometric plan. There's no lights indicated back there. Um, and then, so are you intending those to be a wall-mounted light or were you gonna handle the lights a different way? Yeah, great question. So the photometric plan is drawn for the common area. The common, right. But there will be a light, to your point, on the back door by code. Yeah. We would choose a light with a downward uh, trajectory or a shield to it. Um, there is written within the conditions which we support that there be no um, excess light bleeding into any other yard beyond a half a foot candle. Mm -hmm. We would make sure that we're compliant and, and even beyond that, but that's one of the conditions we fully endorse. Okay. Um, and then that was another question I had is, do you have what the light fixtures look like? The only ones listed in the light <coughs> fixture legend are the bollards and the, and the light standards, but the ones that are mounted on the buildings are not indicated. We, we usually see cut sheets for things that are mounted on buildings as well. So okay. that's something we can provide to the okay. city during the, the plan check process or the, the early design phase process. So there is a light on your common area. Um, it's, it's a, it looks like some kind of down light. It's a, it's under the patio trellis and it's a circle with a D in it. Mm -hmm. And that's not on your legend. And so um, what kind of light was that going to be? That so in the trellis specifically, and I may need to ask um, a landscape architect or Emily if you want to come up, but it was a, 
a fixture that would be placed with just a straight down trajectory to illuminate that trellis space in the evening, it would be triggered so on a timer, so it's not on say past um, 10 o'clock or whatever hours deemed to be suitable. And, and um, I think we would also need to see um, how that relates to the fence height and is mm -hmm. that light gonna be, is the light source gonna be visible from someone in that backyard behind there? Agreed, yeah. agreed. And uh, along that edge with the park, <coughs> there to elevations, you'll see that's where there is continuous landscape screening, buffering that edge. Yeah. which is HOA maintained. I just wanted to point out those two okay. things. And that that is helpful too. And I, I saw that actually in one of your elevations, but okay. I think in general, we would need to see the cut sheets. Usually we see every light on the project that's visible from the outside. Sometimes we even see them from the inside because the windows, you know, like, mm -hmm. like in some of our stairwells and stuff. In, in multifamily buildings, we want to know what the light fixture looks like inside because you can see it from outside. So, so we would want to see what all the cut sheets are for those light. Under, understood. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. I think that that's it for my questions. Okay. I've got a few. Um, so, a lot of the questions that I had, I think, we've been addressed by uh, my other colleagues. Um, uh, the last one being uh, about lighting. So, again, the lighting, uh, the lighting specs are crucial. Um, but then thinking that further down the road and as uh, residents move in and how they potentially are going to use these roof decks, um, and maybe this is something that you're going to work out with HOA down the road, but uh, will they be allowed to string overhead lighting? And that's how roof decks are used nowadays. And you see that, and it's very frequent work where they'll mount poles to the sides and, and string festoon lights up. Um, that's going to have a huge impact, impact on the neighborhood and I think the adjacent neighbors. So that's something that I'm... I'm uh, just questioning if that's something that um, you've thought through. Yeah, um, great question. And on that, um, there is written into the um, conditions an item which actually sp speaks about trellis structure. Number 25 in your to, staff report. Great, thank you. To five foot, but, but to that point, nothing that's permanent would be able to be raised above that parapet wall great. to establish permanent lighting we do provide in the building structure um, like a downward trajectory light. Like a step light. So it would be illuminated for that aesthetic in an evening, but um, nothing overhead. Got it. And uh, one more question. Uh, committee member Farfan, uh, um, I think mentioned previously, or questioned previously if there was a shade study done for um, just the purpose of landscape, but I'm just curious if there was a shade study done as far as how the architecture would impact the neighbors on the north side. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. I it. think that is in the package as well. Yeah, okay. Got it. Okay, I missed that. Oh, okay. I missed that. It's L7. Okay. L7. Those are all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Okay. All right. If, uh, if everyone has asked their questions, we can move to comments. Uh, on the project. Please go ahead. I can go first. Um, I think um, overall I'm for the project. I think it needs a lot of work. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that dominate the site. One is housing, the three stories, the roof decks. 
uh, parking, utilities. The I know we they went from a 54 unit to 49. I think it needs to go a little bit lower or a lot lower just to make these areas livable. There's just not a lot of room for plant material to breathe, to uh, have sense of entry, to really have separation between the very tall and harsh architecture, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of the design of the architecture, it, it seems like the front facade is is taken care of, but the back and the rear and the alleys is just um, really simple, very boxy. And it encloses, creating this cave-like corridor that I'm not too fan of. And any opportunity for planting is minimized because of other needs of that side yard. And there's solutions to that. You can kind of, one resident or other would suffer. One of them would take out that, will take on that whole eight-foot side yard. You can store your trash cans there. I know there's been a lot of talk about that tonight. And not store them inside the garage. But, you know, as you go down the line, some will lose and in terms of having that amenity. Um, too many wall types on Cambridge. I've mentioned that. It's just uh, oh, that whole corner, you, it almost looks like a sales floor. You just have, you know, so many types of different times of when these projects were built. And that concerns me with the double walls. If um, what, I would, what I expected to see, and I was kind of surprised, is having that whole wall removed and put in with one wall. It just looks nicer. You, there's no way you can match that wall, and it's just uh, it may not be available. It's just too ma too many layers of walls. Um, talked a lot about the plant shade. I think the shade study that's on uh, page L7 needs to continue throughout the whole site, not just the rear yards. And planting material needs to adjust and um, and address those those concerns. Um, lastly, roof decks. Um, there's three stories. There's a lot of uh, comments on by the community on on privacy issues and the sections. I think that will help. But you know, it's actually four stories when you add a shade structure, a shade sail, overhead, whatever you have, is you know so that elevations even increases even more. And to have that so close to Catella uh, is concerning to me um, in terms of what the community has mentioned in terms of majority's two-story, everything's set back. This is like right front and center of the property. So overall, um, I'm for the project. It's just there's just a lot of issues that need to be addressed. And can it be addressed? Absolutely. It's just uh, I'm, for tonight, I'm probably not going to be supportive of it. Thank you. <coughs> Committee member Farfan, may I just add one note? Sure. In condition number 25 uh, regarding pergolas, canopies, uh, I'm just going to read it. Okay. It's uh, patio covers, pergolas, canopies, umbrellas larger than five feet in diameter or similar shade structures and overhead patio string lighting are not permitted on rooftop decks. Heat lamps and other outdoor accessory fixtures shall not extend above the height of the roof parapet or balcony railing. So there'll be no shade whatsoever on top. Okay. Except an umbrella that's umbrella. temporary that can be umbrella. taken down. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. That's smaller than five feet in diameter. Right. Um, I, I live in the city of Orange, and um, we just had the, all those winds, and I live in a one-story home. Uh, I can't keep an umbrella tied vertically 
I had to lay the poor thing down on its side. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if an umbrella will survive up there. If it, if it's temporary, it's going to end up in who knows where. Yeah, so that's still a, a concern. Okay, quiet. It's the committee's time to speak. I'm sorry. I, I closed the public session. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all my questions. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, if the project is approved, we won't need umbrellas next door. I'm shocked that I missed L7, and I'm shocked what I'm seeing in L7. That the homes behind the roofs would be shaded till in January, till around now, 9 in the morning. And even at noon, the shade would not be out of their backyards. And some of the homes are only brought into full sun at noon. Um, wow. Uh, wow is the word I have for that, I guess. Um, so um, some comments. As my questions have alluded, and I've alluded, somewhat alluded in comments, I have a lot of concern about the plant selection. Um, much of it is full sun, and there's shadow valleys on this project as it's proposed that I just don't see this plant material working. I'm also surprised that the few places where the project offers landscape you know, an olive tree is the selection against a three-story building. Um, it's the one time to kind of bring this into a more human scale. Um, so the sizing of, the mature size of the trees in those landscaped areas I have a problem with. Um, I'm not sure I heard correctly about the accessibility of the common open space. Um, there's, there's no pathway to that open space. It's squeezing between cars. So whether there's actually an ADA requirement or not, it's still gonna pr prohibit potentially a disabled person from using it. Yes, in my experience, ADA is required no matter private, public. Yeah, I think for a common area, yeah. um, you might want to go back and look at that again. But I, I, I want the developer to kind of let that sink in a little bit, that grandma can't come to the barbecue. Okay? Um, I know you talked with trash experts. I'm not a trash expert, except I take trash cans in and out every week. And I take things out to my trash cans. This trash plan doesn't fully work. You've got trash cans in front of designated parking spaces. You've got them in front of neighbors' access. It, it, it's problematic that it, it needs improvement. It needs improvement. I've, I've never had to deny or recommend denial of a project over trash, but um, if this were in front of us tonight, I'd have to say no just because of the trash. 
Um, I'm trying to get over what this is gonna look like on trash day, but uh, even if I get over what it looks like on trash day, um, it does not really function. And you've got places where generally you provide gaps between the two neighbors' trash, but you've also got places where there's, there's no more than a foot between trash cans. So I can't even get in and out of my property because my neighbor's trash cans are in the way. So um, I think that has to be resolved. And I understand why you're in front of designated parking places. I understand why you're in the, the fire lane is because you have no other place to put this. You really don't. So um, it, it, it's revealing. It's very revealing. So um, we do need that sight line. And again, just to reinforce that, I'm not concerned about the neighbors looking into your development. We need to see what, what the potential is for this one. Um, I too think there's a project here, <clears throat> but I think there's a lot of work to still happen. Um, if I look at our guidelines, the goals of this subdivision uh, approach is that we ensure that new small subdivisions fit into the existing neighborhood context. We've heard from a lot of neighbors tonight that disagree with that. Introduce new dwellings and new housing typology that maintains and respects the existing urban form. Um, if People who have lived in their homes for 30 years suddenly have to have their windows covered 24-7. The project's not meeting that, I don't think. Minimize effects of new development and privacy and character of surrounding neighborhoods. Same, same response. I've said enough about it. So for me, the issue here is... This project is neither urban nor suburban in its approach. It's trying to straddle both. It's trying to, or, it's trying to deliver a more urban product still using the suburban, standalone, single-family home on a property and merging those two, but neither being fish nor fowl, has left you with a lot of things that still need to be resolved. Um, presuming that we're not going to move toward approval tonight, for me, the real kind of uh, line in the sand that I want to make real clear is the, I, I, I don't have a problem with the architecture out on Cambridge. I don't. What is happening at the rear um, is not acceptable. We do not approve windows that look into, uh, for, on new development that look into existing private rear yards. So that would have to be resolved. Um, the screening can't happen on the neighbor's property, nor should it have to. Um, you need to screen on your side, but you also need to leave adequate space and choose plant material that can actually grow and be sustained within this narrow rear yard. Um, 
those are the things I'm going to need to make this acceptable, um, that the impacts to those neighbors is sharply decreased. I agree with the comment made earlier that there probably is no direct view from the roof decks to these homes. But I need something that, I need some, yeah, actually, yes, in the middle there, there will be where, where this inaccessible common space is provided. Um, and there's a place to provide some trees too, to, um, to help take care of that. One of the questions I asked during the briefing but didn't um, get an answer yet is that there's an existing cell tower on this site now that'll be demolished. And what, what happens with that going forward? There is no CUP on file for that cell site. So if it gets demolished, if anything wants to come back in the future, they would have to apply for a new application. Okay, it'll so be by... Gone. It'll be gone. Okay, so through its develop, uh, demolish... Through its demolition, its entitlement goes away. Correct. Okay. I think I'm done. Thank you. Um, yeah, my, I think my biggest concern is the um, view impacts to the back. That was stuff I talked about at, um, at length in the briefing that I had. Um, I was trying to look at how um, I, see, I see zero effort, and I'm almost insulted by um, the applicants saying that the curtains upstairs in the master bedroom will provide the screening required. Um, we've seen a lot of infill development in Orange, and we've seen, in fact, Gil Irving Court, which is, I think, what the what this whole small lot um, ordinance was was somewhat, you know, used that as a reference. We 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 worked with the applicant for the windows to not be a primary central window in the, in the room that's actually looking out into someone's yard that you actually could put your, your egress windows in the side facing the other house. I know it's not the best view for you, but you, don't, you, you have to deal with your view impacts. Um, so... We have worked with people who do high windows like you did in your bathroom, your master bathroom. You might have high windows that would allow someone a view of the beautiful um, mountains, San Bernardino Mountains, <laughs> that you can see that direction, but that, they, that no one can actually look down from them and, and provide your egress windows in the side. Your laddering won't work because your side yards are too small. So everything is just so compressed that you're not getting, you're forcing your solutions to be born on the backs of the neighbors. And I think that that is just, that is not um, an adequate solution. Um, I don't even see proposed diffused glass, which is also a way to, to keep the privacy for neighbors is to have diffused glass. Um, I just don't see any mitigations. The planting material does not respond to where these giant master bedroom windows are. So that's not, but it, you basically said, you know, the owners have to put up curtains. I, and I, I just, it, that has not impressed me. Um, 
And I'll try not to get too emotional about it, but it's not a uh, I feel that the that compounding the view impacts is the solar um, shading problems that are really bad with those houses being so tall, only 10 feet away from the property. So for me, if I could see a second story that was much further set back, you could keep your first story at 10 feet. In fact, that's allowed. That's actually done by some of the neighbors, you know, or even more so. Um, to leave your first story at 10 feet, but I think your second story on that north property line needs to be set back. Um, and I think windows need to be oriented to the side for egress and only having high windows facing the back would be also a way to mitigate it. So that would not only solve your view impact problems, but would also um, substantially change your, your solar impact problem um, not substantially enough. I mean, you'd have to move it a good 15 feet back to, to change the impacts that, that, are, that are there. And the way I calculated it, given the dates that you gave us, that basically um, you have two months of really severe impact, um, both morning and evening, you know, around the, the winter solstice, but you actually still have um, definite yard impacts from October until the end of February um, where you have you're having a lot of um, you know so that's four months out of the year I the way I see it and I think that that's a lot um, so I, I think that you can you can resolve my biggest problems with your project um, by pulling the second story back, by, by addressing what kind of windows are gonna be facing that direction, um, but that's not gonna solve the view impacts from the third story, second and third story windows and roof deck from the units that are directly across from the pocket park because they will now be, they will still be able to see through there. So that you would need to deal with through landscape screening, it looks like you have a tree there. I just need to see that studied. There's no effort here to convince anybody up here. Otherwise, I think. But um, anyway, the um, so so th that's like the major thing that is a complete deal breaker for me. Um, even counting on plants to do the job in that backyard, which is a north-facing yard of 10 feet wide, that I I just I can't imagine what's going to grow and actually be able to provide that screening that you need. So you're just compounding all of those problems there. Um, with regards to the, the project, like the, the elements that face Catella, it is kind of, um, I know that's in the ordinance that you have to have the entry doors face the streets. And so you have that. And I understand that's absolutely responding to the ordinance. Um, but one of them, like unit 45, the front door is exactly behind the bus stop. And so it seems to me that you would have, just for the markability of your own project, that there might be some consideration there. I just feel like there's been, I just think it's more indication that there's been very little context-driven design decisions here. I feel like it's completely within your own site 
that you've tried to solve all these problems and fit all these things in together. Um, but there's no room for trees to help mitigate the, the height of a three-story structure. And there's, um, in fact, I'm surprised that Public Works didn't say something about the empty tree wells, because don't they usually say that you should fill an empty tree well that might be in front of your property? There's actually an added condition to uh, include three additional trees along Catella. Okay, yeah, because there's three empty tree wells there, mm -hmm. okay. That would help because um, there's nothing on your property that's gonna help mitigate the, the, um, the building. And, and it's not because um, if it was an apartment building, I wouldn't expect the, um, or like if it's urban and if it was on a zero setback situation, that's a different condition. You're actually creating front yards for people and. I, I just think that there would have been some thought that maybe some trees would help, and um, there's no room for that. So there's, it's a south-facing facade, it's a tall facade, um, and I also was noting that all your plate heights are eight foot 10, uh, nine foot something, I can't remember now, I'd have to, I didn't flag that sheet, but um, it seems like some of these issues on height, in, in, including the two-story structures, you're exacerbating it by also, you know, having your increased, you know, your plate heights. And I know in modern construction that that is expected, but again, you're also expecting to have a whole lot of units and you're also <laughs> expecting the neighbors to bear the brunt of all these, the ramifications of what you would desire to have, what you would want to sell to your um, customers. I just, um, I, I, yeah, there's, there's a lot of room for improvement for sure. And I think there's some measures that can be taken. I'm seeing here, yeah, you have eight foot 10 and then nine foot one plate heights and eight foot 10. And um, maybe that's a luxury that they don't, uh, is not going to be allowed that could help um, with your solar access and your view access as well. So Seems like all the problems are compounding. Trash, you know, landscape, I mean, everything is suffering for the amount of um, uh, uh, bulk of buildings that are on this, that's on this property. So um, I think I've covered my, my main points. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, I agree with my uh, fellow committee members, and I, I, I can't stop thinking about a comment that uh, committee member in Bowdoin said, and he, I think he hit the nail on the head when he said, um, "This project is neither urban or suburban." You know, I think we're taking a, a very urban plan and dropping it into a very residential setting. Um, I think there's an approvable project here. I just think that. The site needs a significant amount of massaging. Um, and if that means removing the amount of units to be able to create some, some more landscape, some more buffering, some spacing, um, I think it's just gonna improve the quality of life of those new residents entering into an existing community. And um, I honestly think that um, really this community needs to err more on the side of suburban for it to work, for it to be approvable. That's all I have to say.
Okay. Uh, well, I have to say that I agree with, with all of the comments that have been made and to, uh, to speak to the urban versus suburban, it's, it's, it's like one of those haircuts that has um, urban on the front and suburban on the back. Uh, and I don't, I don't mind, as a matter of fact, I think it's appropriate to have the bulk and mass along uh, the Catella streetscape. And even though there isn't right now this type of development, it's coming. Uh, down near the shopping area, there's new construction going on, and that, that is going to be a much more urban and taller uh, streetscape there. But in the, in the north side, we definitely have got to become more suburban in order for this to meet the, the privacy concerns, the compatibility uh, to, be, um, to uphold the community aesthetic, which is one of the findings we're required to make in order to approve a project. Uh, so it's, it sounds to me that, it, that this is not ready, this project's not quite ready for, uh, to move forward. Um, and I would suggest that... Uh, would I, I have some guidance that I might be able to provide just to help sure. in, in, in helping you to frame your motion. So this is an um, application, and it's a project for which, um, under the code, your power and your duty is to review and recommend. So this is not a final determination. The final determination is being made by the planning commission and then other aspects of the project, not the design portion, the, to the city council. So um, I view this as you have some options. You can um, make a motion to recommend that the planning commission approve with the conditions that are stated or other conditions that you come up with, as staff recommended. You can also um, make a motion to rec recommend that the Planning Commission deny the project and, and leave it at that. Or you can simply review and, and quite literally make recommendations. Um, you can uh, talk about whatever issues uh, related to the design and architectural plans that you want the planning commission to have the applicant consider at that level. So there's actually that kind of a third option that I don't know that it's been explored per se on the um, design review committee, but that that is the language of the code. It's review and make recommendations. So that's, that's another option that you have. Um, I, Hopefully that helps a little because yeah. you've had a lot of discussion about different things. So if you wanted to frame it as just we are recommending that you, Planning Commission, consider all of these things in your determination, you can do that too. It, although we are still in the design review phase and I don't think we're ready to leave design the, the design phase, um, it, I think that for me, I would like to see this project come back with design improvements before sending it on to planning commission. I don't know how the rest of the committee feels or how the applicant feels about a continuance. So my, my recommendation again is, is to, to remember that what you're doing today is just reviewing and recommending. So um, the applicant has provided everything that's required. Um, and so at, at this point, you, you have all the information that, that, is available to you, you have it, it's all been provided. So if the recommendation is that you don't believe the Planning Commission should approve it, that they should deny it, you can go ahead and do that. Um, or you can, you can just make recommendations, <clears throat> just make those recommendations. But I think those are, those are your options tonight. 
I, I have a question, Chair. Please are, are we being told that we do not have an option to continue? If the applicant would like to have some additional time to work on some of these matters, absolutely. You can go ahead and make a motion Thank to continue. You. Okay. Is there a motion? I would like to ask the applicant if given the, um, the spirit of the committee at this point, as far as I can see, it would either be a denial or I don't know if anybody could fabricate enough conditions to get this to the point. I can't see it having any, there's no conditions I could put on here that would actually get me to a, um, recommend approval. And I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but if the applicant would um, like to have our support at Planning Commission, I think that's the question. Would the applicant uh, like to respond? Good evening, committee chair and members of the committee. Thank you for hanging in there with us this evening. My name is Brad Perosi. I'm the president of Intercorp in Southern California. I've been in front of you, some of you that have done a lot of public surface, service multiple times, so close some familiar faces. You've aged better than me, but um, we've done this. Uh, in my history, I've been working in the city of Orange for 30 years, uh, continually redeveloping properties that are underutilized, often neglected. We've had a body pulled out of this building. It is a public safety nightmare. Um, and so, I, look, I, I, I love all you people. I love Orange. Uh, we do want to see a project go forward. Okay, okay, okay. One have speaker at a time, please. Please but go we're ahead. We're also in a situation where it's, uh, it is a public safety hazard. And so, if you guys were to, were to vote, and you were vote to vote to deny it, does that still send us to Planning Commission? Or does it give us the option where we can actually come back before you with some of the changes you suggested? Does that give us optionality? Well, if you would like to come back to us, we would like to see, a re see an improved design. So that would be a continuance, uh, which would be perfectly acceptable. Well, we will get a date for another meeting and you can come back with revised plans and then, if they're approvable, then we'll recommend that to the Planning Commission. But if we ask for a vote tonight, can we still come back to you for a relook? Uh, if you ask, if you ask for a vote tonight, then we'll be finished. Will that will then? We could move on to the next step. Mm -hmm. You would go without our our recommendation of approval. So, through the chair if I may also add there is an environmental document for this project if the design is substantially changed it could also change the uh, mitigation measures within within the document and the analysis itself so just something to put out there mm -hmm. so that would be more more time involved yes okay mm -hmm. 
so do what are you asking for a do you will you do you want to come back uh, with a with a redesign or do you want to ha have us give a, a vote tough question because what do do you think we can offer them um, a break to make their decision about how Who do you want it I, yes they can Confirm. So they can discuss it, and I don't know. That's what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a we're going to take a five minute break so that you can you can talk it over. Okay, yeah. five minutes. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you all for your patience and deliberation, and please go ahead. That sounds fantastic. Uh, and is is that okay with staff for a date certain? Uh, we have, uh, and Skyler, February the 5th is a possibility. Internally, our mechanisms um, are uh, to receive materials on, on January the 5th in order to make the, the wheels grind. Okay, and that, that suits? Excuse me, it would actually be, so sorry, it would actually be February 7th. Seventh. Thank you. Oh, okay. So the date certain would be February seventh to to see the uh, applicant back again. Okay. Then we can have a motion to continue. I was just going to ask if that was um, something that became a problem. Can they just then come? Can staff continue the meeting again during the February seventh meeting? Like state that this project has been continued till February fourteenth or whatever date. You so there is a safety valve? If, yeah, if there is. It, so the noticing doesn't have to go all over again because right. everyone's heard that they're, they're here. It's re-agendized, and right. that's fine. You can continue doing that as long as you uh, announce it at the meeting. Does that, does that make sense um, to Melissa, you about how that may works? May I ask if, yeah. they, if they continue okay. it to right. a date right. not certain, do they still need to re-notice? Um, yes, because our code requires noticing. So, what, but what we can do is you can you can put the date certain, and if for some reason that date doesn't work on that day, it can be continued. It can be yeah, recontinued. Right. Yeah. yeah, we've done okay. that, we've done that so before. Just, okay, to save you from having to re-notice. <laughs> okay, so I'm ready for a motion. I guess I'm, I'm Some, the motion someone. Maker okay, um, Chair, I move to continue item. Design review number 5092-22, the 901 East Catella Avenue project, um, to February 7th. I'll second. Okay, uh, we have a 
Motion to continue uh, and a second. And when we're ready, please vote. Okay, we will see you back on the 7th, uh, and uh, we look forward to, to the new, new and improved project. And before I adjourn, I just want to thank all of the uh, members of the public that came and expressed their heartfelt views. We do listen and appreciate all of your participation. It, it helps us very much. So since we are done with everything on the agenda, the meeting is now adjourned. Our next design review meeting will be held on Wednesday, December 20th. Uh, thank you all. Good night. <laughs>